the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, it's Monday. It's a nice day outside now. Got a little bit of sun out there. Temperature's up getting close to 80 degrees now. Gotta like it. I would hope that you're uh, enjoying it, although I'd enjoy it more if I were off for another day. If I could have one more day off, I'd want another one after that. You know how that goes, right? Yeah, I hope your weekend was good. Had a good weekend. Zach is in the studio right now. He's getting uh, our uh, stuff for uh, Facebook Live going, getting all things set up. So uh, if you're wondering why you're not seeing it, it's because we're getting it together. We run off of my hotspot on my my phone now, and it runs good. When we get it hooked up, it, it just putters along just really nice. I had a great weekend. Hope you did as well. Uh, on Saturday, did a lot of work around the house, moved 50 bags of mulch around. That's about 2,000 pounds of mulch that we put uh, in the backyard. Got that taken care of. I find, remember that, that rat I was telling you about? I got it. It's dead. It's gone. It no longer exists. He was stinking up the house, man. He, he evidently, you know, Joe over at Joe's Garage gave me some rat poison that he uses, and it works really well. And he gave it to me because this rat was a, he was a smart rat. He must have been from MIT or something because he, like, didn't, uh, he wouldn't go for the the traps i had 10 traps out he would not trip one of them and i know he had to walk right past them you know i take a little piece of bread put some peanut butter on it stick it in the part of the trap that you got to eat it out of never bothered it wouldn't even touch it and uh, but he sure did touch the inside of my dishwasher gonna get get a new one here in about three weeks Got to buy a new dishwasher because he chewed all the wires up inside that dishwasher. So anyway, uh, he starts stinking. We're trying to figure out where he's at. I finally found that he was he was down in the vent for the dryer. And you know, I my dryer is in our kitchen, and it goes under the slab, and then out out through the uh, into the backyard. And so I had to buy from, uh, it was on Thursday where we decided that that's where he was at. So I went and got, uh, on, on, uh, I was going to say Marvel, but that's not what I was going to do. I went to, to amazon.com and I got this thing called, I forget, Lint Eater, I think is what it was called. And it was these, all of these like, uh, flexible, fiberglass rods that you could like hook together and then at the very end uh it it had a piece one of the pieces that came with had teeth on it and would turn it real quickly right so i hook it up and you hook it to your drill so i'm hooking it to my drill push it down a little way and all of a sudden i could tell i had hit an obstruction so i put another piece of this flexible stuff on 
hook it into my drill and just slowly ease, ease the drill and it starts turning faster and faster and I get it almost all the way up and it kind of binds and all it starts going faster again and I I gave it the old uh, college, you know, 100 mile an hour, pushed the, you know, the trigger all the way in and then I started pulling it out and I felt like I was pulling out about a six pound bass. I'm pulling and pulling, and all of a sudden I pull this thing out, and this piece had eaten into the body of this rat. This, you know, we thought it was field mouse. Was not a field mouse. This, this, this little animal was about six and a half inches long. It was big, so it wasn't a field mouse. It was, I think, what they call a Norwegian rat. And uh, I, so I pull him out. I pull it out now. You who are on Facebook can see this. I'm holding it up like this, and Linda about hurls in the in the kitchen. She says, because ah, 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 it just stinks terribly. And I'm holding it there, and I and he was in two pieces, okay? He was like, one piece was hooked on this device at the end of it, and then just by his intestines, he was hanging down with the second part of it. So I put it down, and I get a... I, I, we had some Playtex gloves in the under the seat, and I grab them. I put them on, snap them, so I'm ready for surgery. And I go over, and I've got to, like, unwrap him off of this thing. And I got him off of it. I threw him in a – sorry, Walmart. But I put him in a Walmart shopping bag. Because doesn't everybody keep, you know, like 10 or 12 or – 6,000 of those things stuck under their cabinet, right? I got one of them. And I, I threw him in there, and I took him out, and I put him in the trash can, uh, the nearest to the door, so that even if he stank, the smell went outside. And uh, we got that all taken care of. And I I brought, took the piece at the end that I chewed him up and put another piece on that was a brush, about this big around. And it turned, and it went through and any kind of lint that was still in there, it would clean it out. And I pushed it all the way through. So the dryer, which two weeks ago my daughter had told me, Dad, the dryer's not getting my clothes. You know, when I come over here to do the, the, the clothes, it's not drying them really, really good. And that's when I figured that's where he was living at. And then we found out that's where he was living at. And then, yeah, we got rid of all that. And now you put your head in the dryer. It's like putting your head in the oven. I mean, it gets hot again. I mean, really hot. So everybody's going to have to be careful. You don't put in an extra large and it comes back a small out of the dryer. So we got got that all taken. So that was part part one for Saturday. Then I went over and I got to uh, Home Depot and I was going to pick up just just, uh, a few bags of mulch because – you know the sale was over, so it was going to be three seventy five a bag. What we had seen, and when we bought it, it was five for ten dollars, so two dollars a bag. Now it's three seventy five. Well, you've effectively doubled the cost of the mulch. And we got over there, and they had it for two fifty. They had it on sale again, and we went over there, and instead of buying about twenty bags, we bought forty five bags. Got them all in the back of uh, the Acadia. And came home, and uh, they loaded them up. I unloaded them, 
and then half of them I, I, I carried into the backyard for this one area we're going to do, threw them all on the ground and all over the place, and then got my um, straight razor and opened them up, poured the stuff out. And what's so funny is you get one of those bags, they're about 40 pounds, and it looks like it covers a big area, right? Well, I don't like it if you can see the ground through it. I, I'm, I want the stuff to be thick enough, maybe an inch, inch and a half. So it says it does like two square feet. That's what it says. Now, you think about that. That's not a big area. That's a relatively small area. And we have all that, that stuff back there. I had 20 bags thrown out. And it did about half of what we wanted. So literally just about all that I bought the other day, all uh, near, uh, what was it about? It was 250 a bag. Yeah, we bought nearly $85 worth of mulch. And almost all of that was what I needed to cover the back of the thing. I'll take a picture this evening and we'll post it tomorrow here on Facebook so you can see it. It looks good. It's looking great. It's getting done. My uh, son-in-law has been working on my deck because, uh, you know, we we got into a tight financial time after we made our transition to the other this new station and all of that. And uh, turned around and uh, I walked out. He had power washed it and looked really good. And he goes, "Nah," he says, "Dad, I think I can take this, make it look. I can make this thing look like it just was put in last week." I said, knock yourself out if you want to, but I'm just telling you, I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. We can knock the dirt off of it and we'll stain it and we'll be cool. So he comes in, um, Sunday, he finished it up after church and I had made ribs for, for lunch and we had, uh, uh a jello cake and then we had, uh, we had some, uh, some slaw and stuff. It was really good. And, uh, he went back out. And if the, if the boy didn't sand, he sand, he sanded the whole, the, 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 the whole thing, the deck. And I walked out there and I swear to you, you could not tell that that thing wasn't built two weeks ago. In fact, it I've been, it just been finished the day before. I mean, it really looked great. I'll, I'll get a picture of that too. I don't have a before picture. So if I had a before and after you would go, say what you know i feel like the, you know i feel like mr mayhem what what say what you know i mean it was great looking it was cool so um we're letting it dry out now he's going he's got to go tdy to keesler he'll be back next wednesday it looks like it's gonna rain quite often this week it looks like showers are in the forecast so when he gets back Hopefully next week will be drier. We get two or three real good days of heat and sun, dry it out. And then we're just going to put a natural stain on it. We're not going to try to change the color with polyurethane in it. It's going to look good. We already got the people coming out to open up the pool here another two weeks. The grandkids are clamoring. You know, they showed up with pitchforks and and uh, torches this weekend saying we want pool we you know so anyway they're they're wanting to hit it and i said two weeks in which my granddaughters then looked at my daughter their mother of course and said 
Let's go get swimsuits. Oh, they're going to go swimsuit shopping this week. So everybody will be over and ready to, to fall into the pool. I got to go buy a ladder because I want them to be able to get out when they get in. I don't want them hanging around there all the time. So just kidding. And get a get a ladder for it. But that was my weekend. Hope your weekend was a, a good one. Let's take a break. Then we got things to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, did you watch any of the HBO coverage of the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction? I did not. I kind of flipped over, um, I guess it was about 6.30. I missed the beginning, so Stevie Nicks was was inducted as a solo artist. And, of course, uh, she'd already gone in with Fleetwood Mac, so now she went in solo. And I I don't know if she performed or not. Um, I'll tell you what, Def Leppard was inducted. They were the last ones. They put on quite a show. They did a nice job. And um, who else performed? Uh, The Cure performed, and they did all right. You know who did really, really good? Now, I want you to remember that their hit, their first hit came in 1964. They formed as a group in 1956. The Zombies. Know who I'm talking about? You don't have a clue, do you? Okay, here's what you do. Go in, go into to the YouTube, and go ahead and just um, type in time of the season. And uh, when you got it, as soon as you get through the commercial or whatever they play before, go ahead and hit it and and play it. And w- w- this was their first big hit, and it was huge. I mean, they there it okay. You can go ahead and play it behind me. That way we don't have to play residuals. But anyway, the, the the key of it was that they had won a contest two weeks before. And part of the winnings were that they got to go into DECA's the record company, uh, into their studio and record a song. Well, they recorded a song. They played it on the local radio there in England. And people went nuts over it, and they released it in the United States. It went to number one. Number one. And it, it sounded like this. Here they go. Everybody in the uh, audience going. What's your name? Who's your daddy? See, you thought that would just. People said, who's your daddy? You thought that just started recently, didn't you? See? Came out of rock and roll but a long time ago. They were really known for these tight vocals they did right here. See this? Okay. And the guy playing the, the keyboards here. Ron Argent, he helped start the group. He went on and came up with the group Argent, and one of the best songs that they ever did was Hold Your Head High, or Hold Your Head Up. It's a great song as well. But anyway, these dudes are like 75 years old, and they all went up and played, and they sounded like they were back in the 60s. I'm telling you that their voices had not aged. It was incredible. Argent was good. Colin, I can't remember his last name the lead singer uh 
was had a, had a great vocal uh, voice, and uh, he did it really very cool. And they sounded just like they used to sound. And Susan, um, let's see, let's see Susan, 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 from the Go-Go's. Holt, was that her last name, Holt, Susan Holt? I think she was the lead singer of the Go-Go's. And she came out, and she introduced them and inducted them into the Hall of Fame. Now, here's what's cool. You remember the Go-Go's, right? Do You, you, don't, you don't know who they're. Dude, you're such a little boy. Do you still wear a diaper? I'm just saying. You're a young buck, aren't you? Okay. So anyway, she comes out and she introduces and inducts the zombies. Now, I'm going to make a lot of people feel old right now. You've, now, wait. You've heard the Go-Go's music, right? Just another manic Monday. Yeah. Okay, you've heard Walk Like an Egyptian. Okay, all of that songs, all the things that they did. Uh, the lead singer is 60 now. She just, two weeks ago, turned 60 years old. Belinda Carlisle. No, wrong one. Okay. So- wrong one. It's Su- Susan Holt. She's one of the founding members of the group. Look at uh, look at all those. Check all the 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 members of it is there not a suzanne holt in there there's not okay type in suzanne holt who am i got her messed up with i know belinda carlisle sang a lot of their music but maybe i'm wrong on this one that's possible only thing i'm getting is photography and um, life coaching okay <laughs> it's not holt then i'll get you the, i'll get you the exact name somebody call eight two three oh nine six five save me here all right well, see, Belinda just turned 60 last year. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. she's 62, so I feel I feel all right because she's 60 as well. It doesn't seem possible that the people who are with the Go-Go's are 60 years old. I thought they were a little older than uh, 60 years, or, or younger, pardon me, uh, than 60. I thought they were in their 50s, not their 60s. Okay, somebody's calling now. Somebody watched this as, as I did. I thought she was... With the the go go's, I may I I guess I'm wrong, so I'll uh, I'll accept that I'm wrong. Who is it? Who's calling us? Who wants to tell me this? I want to I want to talk to this person. You got him. Who is it? Ron. Okay, bring him up. Ron. Ron. Yeah. Did you watch that the other night on HBO? No, but who you're talking about? Susanna Haas of the Bengals. The Bengals. Doggone it. Thank you. I got I got the go go's and the bangles, but that's that's easy to do to mix those two groups up. But yeah, yeah, she's the one who inducted them. Do you remember? Okay. Do you remember the zombies? Yes. Okay, I didn't know. I'm 59. Oh, you're you're a youngster too, <laughs> Susanna Hoffs. Yeah, that's what you're talking. Yeah. About. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, thanks so much. I appreciate you calling. Bangles. Doggone it! Got them mixed up. Bangles and go go's. Kind of the same. Bengals did walk like an Egyptian. So anyway, just know that. Now, it was the Go-Go's that did We Got the Beat, or was that the Bengals? Now I got everybody. I'm going to get myself confused between these two groups. It's easy to do. The Go-Go's did that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bring up Bengals. What's their their top songs? Got to hear this now. And then I'm going to finish up telling the story here. I got to finish the story. I'm 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 almost out of time. I'm running out of time. Yeah, Manic Monday. Yeah. Okay. Walk like an Egyptian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eternal Flame. Eternal Flame. Great song. Mm-hmm. Great song. A hazy shade of winter. Yeah. 
Yeah, they were they were very very good. Okay, so with that said, I got thirty seconds to to wrap this segment up, and then I'm going to come back to talk a little politics. Everybody wants to talk politics. Here's the key. You've got uh, Def Leppard out there, and you know they bring their special guests out. Brian May comes out from Queen to play guitar with them, and Ian Hunter of Mata Hoople comes out, and I'm like, they do all the young dudes. I went nuts. I'm screaming it at the top of my lungs in my living room. News for you. For you who didn't know who Ian Hunter was, you remember this song. When he was 25, speed jive, don't want to stay alive when you're 25. And when you're stealing clothes from Marks and Sparks, and Freddy's got spots from ripping up the stars from his face. Funky little boat race. The television man is crazy. Sam with juvenile delinquent wrecks. Oh man, I need TV when I got. So Ian Hunter came out and uh, Brian May comes out. Def Leppard's on stage with them, and they, they finished up the induction ceremony for the, the whole induction cer- ceremony by doing that song. What a cool, that was a cool ending. It really, really was. Uh, the one I was disappointed in, I really enjoyed her speech, but I was disappointed because she did not perform, and that was Janet Jackson. I was stunned that we didn't get something from Rhythm Nation 1814. You know, I just was Stunned by that. I mean, that that was a huge, huge album. Uh, Control was big before that. And I'm trying to think, what was the one that came after that? It was the one, Velvet Rope. That's what it was. Off the top of my head, Velvet Rope. I personally think that she was the most talented. Now, other people will argue with me about Michael. Michael was talented. But I tell you what. Janet did it on her own, too. Michael did it on his own. Janet did it on her own. I'm not going to say that her name didn't open a door for her or whatever. I forget who the producers were because they, they were huge at the at the time, and they took her uh, as a client. And she sold nearly 200 million albums worldwide. Is she was really a talent, and I was I was heartbroken. I had tickets, had to send uh, get my money back when she was going to come here. Remember, and she found out she was pregnant. That was about two and a half years ago. That's right. You know, so I'm hoping because she looked she looked still great. I would hope she goes back on tour again. I'll go see her in a heartbeat. Yeah, I really. And you know what's really funny is, is she thanked all her choreographers. She says, I can't dance. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, you could have fooled me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She could have fooled me. She couldn't dance. Yeah, huh? 
you know. I mean, that whole Rhythm Nation, when she went to Rhythm Nation tour, that was nothing but choreography. I don't know how she sang and did all that dancing. I mean, that's the thing about Madonna that always amazes me, is that, uh, you know, she can keep her breath doing all that choreography and singing all those songs. Just amazes me. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm a big Janet Jackson fan. She's from by my she's from my hometown. It's where I was born, Gary, Indiana. All right. I mean, come on. You know, I'm still I still have a little attachment to that city. Not a lot. I'm gonna be honest. I doubt if Janet's got a big attachment to that city. Her dad her dad wanted her to be a performer. She said, I wanted to go to college and be a lawyer. And she said, my dad kept talking to me because he had heard me sing. And, and so I said, okay. And we did control. See, and I had no idea about that. Rest was history. About what? Her, she wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah, she wanted had to no be a idea. lawyer. She, well, she's a smart woman. That, that's the big thing about her is that she, you know, she was what, 90s, basically. And uh, she, you know, she talked power for women in rock and roll but she proved it yeah i mean she went out and did it it's the same thing that you know with some of the some of the other women stevie nicks i think she shows she you know as a woman she she was able to do what she wanted to do and uh joan jett i i did a show with her when i was in uh in uh, armed forces radio i went to the houston astrodome uh when the houston astrodome I think they've imploded it now, but uh, they used to have uh, the big Texas rock concert there. And they bring all these big groups. And uh, at when she was there, it was her, Carlos Santana, and uh, I think Styx in the Mr. Uh, uh, the, uh, oh, the theater, the Rock and Roll Theater album. That uh, they were there to, that they were there on tour about, and they did Mr. Roboto and and all of that kind of stuff, <laughs> and uh, I got to I got to talk to uh, Joan at that time, and the opening of the show was her talking to us about you know getting uh, you know Kenny Laguna showing um, Kenny Laguna Laguna is the writer of all the bubblegum music that you used to hear in the seventies. One, two, three, red light, and a uh, bunch of stuff like that. And he took his money, and he believed in her so much that he began Blackheart Records and released her album that had I Love Rock and Roll on it. And, of course, the rest is history. And right at the beginning of it, we're talking, and she literally started yelling into the microphone, saying that they had gone from record company to record company to record company to record company and rejection and rejection and rejection and rejection. And then Kenny put the money up and started their own label and started pressing the album and released it. And it went, you know, gazillion times platinum. And uh, she says, she says at the beginning of the show, I'll see if I can find, I think I got on tape still. And she says, and she says, I can rock and roll. I know I can. And that's how we started the show. And we went right into I Love Rock and Roll. And there's no doubt the girl can rock and roll. She's I saw her crazy. live. She's amazing. Yeah, she um, she played at my college. Uh, 
sort of at the tail end of her high level of popularity. And it was, she was terrific. Oh, she still pulls them yeah. in. People oh, yeah. love them. Yeah. Love her. She's gotten a little weird over the years. I mean, the last album that she did was, what was it? That was a, it was a sexual kind of album. What was um, It's synonymous with kinky. Um, anyway, she's just an amazing performer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do I want to play? That's, uh, of course, you know Robert Steinbach. He's a legal professor over there at uh, the Bowen School of Law. And, of course, uh, UALR, and his opinions are his and his alone. And so I want, what do I want to play here? Oh, the media has been blaming Trump all weekend long for the synagogue attack. Here, here's what it sounds like from the media right now. Here's a, a montage for you to get us into the break. Here's cut number three. Who will not, who not only will not acknowledge that we have an epidemic of white nationalist terror after New Zealand said just a few people, he's providing the mood music for it. That is the reality we face. Yeah, I think the president needs to at some point look in the mirror and understand that the rhetoric, the words he uses in all of this, inflame this big part of what's going on in America, give permission to the most craziest people in America. And it happens in part because there's a climate set at the top of unbelievable, constant lies and hostility and, and division in this country, not only as policy, but has with his affect. The conspiracy theories cited by these neo-Nazis in Pittsburgh and New Zealand and now outside San Diego, conspiracy theory that Trump never condemned and actually uh, seemed to support. And we don't know if it has any connection to um, to the politics that's going on. But I mean, it would be a stretch to, to say that it doesn't. Somebody that's anti-immigrant in California, the anti-immigrant hate and refugee that's going on in the country, what happened at the Tree of Life, and then you couple that with the president's language, it's a big problem. And remember, Donald Trump just over the last couple of days have been defending what he said in Charlottesville. And it echoed, called back into our memory, right? Something that just happened not too long ago. What happened in Pittsburgh? Donald Trump and all of this hate Right, it's part of the environment of today, and he he bears some responsibility for it. All right, back with you. Can you believe what the media there before yes. before yes. you before you go crazy? <laughs> right. Okay, before you go crazy. Too late. I'm here's, crazy. Here's what what that's what the media said. Now I want you to hear what the rabbi Rabbi Goldstein had to say about President Trump. Mm-hmm. Cut three. As I was in my house. I received a personal phone call from our president, Donald Trump. I was amazed to answer the phone and say the secretary of the White House is calling. And he spent close to 10, 15 minutes with me on the phone. And it's the first time I've ever spoken to a president of the United States of America. He shared with me condolences on behalf of the United States of America. And we spoke about the moment of silence. And he spoke about his love of peace and Judaism and Israel. And he was just so comforting that I'm really grateful to our president for taking the time and and making that effort to share with us his comfort and consolation. All right, but he's the one responsible for the shooting, right? That's what the media wants you to believe. That's what the politicians on the left want you to believe. That's why you ignorant people who follow those politicians on the left evidently believe. And you're just stupid if you believe it. That is what the president of the United States really is like. That rabbi, that that synagogue is from 
a group, you know, as Christianity has, you know, there's Christ the Church, there's Methodist, there's Baptist, of course. The Jews have a similar thing. They're all different groups. They're all, we generally, if not entirely, you know, consider them all Jews, but different, you know, different denominations. Yeah. Right? So that denomination is known as Chabad. And, you know, if you don't do that rolling, <laughs> right, exactly. If you can't do that part, you just say Chabad, right? And it's an acronym, right? And, and it comes from a group uh, that originally started out of the Ukraine. Uh, and it's a very conservative group. Uh-oh. You see? So the media wouldn't like them really. Yeah, oh, they're okay. conservative. We have a group of Chabad here in Little Rock. Um, and there's one of the rabbis is named Cement. And the other last name is Cement. The other rabbi's last name is Pape. And it's a conservative synagogue. I need to get them on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, here's the thing, Dave. Uh, they're conservative not only religiously. Uh-oh. 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 Politically. Conservative political Jews. Oh, exactly. no. Well, let me tell you. They'll hate them in New York. Well, people come up to me all the time to this day <laughs> and they go, Rob, you're Jewish. And, you know, as you know, and you, most of your audience, I think, at this point knows, I talk about Judaism and being Jewish on your show all the time. Yeah. It's, I think it's useful to have to sort of expose people. You know, you, there's, there's a very small Jewish community in Little Rock. So and I think your audience is, is very welcoming and, and wants to learn. And so, oh, you know, you're Jewish. Tell me something. Right. Uh, I'm interested. So I try to share these kind of basic concepts and and all the time, particularly when I was working in Washington, D.C., uh, and I worked for a Republican, uh, and I was uh, uh, was an M conservative. People say, "Rob, I got an honest question for you. I, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. Why are Jews overwhelmingly, or at least significantly, Democrats?" And the first thing I would say to them is, first of all, no insult. You're right. That's an empirical question, right? You're not allowed to yeah, make. Right. Hey, well, you can't make a classification. You can't say that Jews do this, and Catholics do that, and whites do this, and Hispanics do that. You're not allowed to make. I thought that's called sociology. I thought that's a <laughs> class. I thought that's called. I thought. Uh, can can you can you help me out here? I thought that's what you're supposed to do is kind of make these uh, descriptions and say, well, it's not a hundred percent true, but these are characterizations. So, first thing is that's an accurate statement. Significant number of Jews remain Democrats. Now, there's two separate questions. Why is that historically? I can explain that. Okay. Explain it. Yeah. Why? Because historically, the Democratic Party, and we're talking sort of uh, in the last 70, 80 years, um, has been the party that was more welcoming of minority views and minority individuals. That's just a fact. So the Jews found a more comfortable home there in that regard. Then the second historical reason is that historically Jews have been more what we now call liberal. Why? For related reason. If you're if you're subjugated, as Jews have been across the world historically yes. again, right? Of course. They're trying to do that again. Of course they are. Of course they are. Uh, that you want policies from governments that are liberal. I put in quotes. You can't see it on the radio. But I put in quotes liberal in the sense that it's a little more hands-off. It's a little less um, um, in terms of social policy um, telling you what to do because at the time 
Jews believe that that would allow them to operate in their faith more freely. Whether or not that's true, that's a more debatable point. So that's one. That's the sort of historical basis for why Jews have been more associated with the Democratic Party. Okay. All but right. the second question is, why are Jews still associated with the Democratic that's Party? That's the better question. That's the much better question. And the answer is, beats the heck out of me. <laughs> that's the Beats the heck out of me, Zach. Yeah. Why? And let me tell you why. Because the Democratic Party is not friendly to Jews. No. The Democratic they Party. They hate Israel. They hate Israel. And they are often openly antagonistic, not to Israel per se, to Jews. Mm. And how do I know this? Read Brett Stevens' article. It's up on my, what is that thing that I posted it on? I don't even know. The Twitter. It's okay. up on my, at Rob Steinbuck. You see how much I know from the technology. At Rob Steinbuck on Twitter. Brett Stevens wrote an article in the Times today. He's an opinion person criticizing the Times. Why? Oh, because the anti-Semitic cartoon. They had an anti-Semitic cartoon. Not anti-Israel. Not either. Oh, well, to be against Israel is not to be against the Jews. Well, that's a true statement. You can criticize Israel and not be anti-Semitic. The problem is you can also be an anti-Semite. Yes. You can criticize Israel. You can be an anti-Semite. You can be an anti-Semite. You can you can do both. You can do one or the other. So it shows a, a blind Donald Trump being right. led by uh, by, by Netanyahu. Nahu. As a dog. As a dog with a Jewish star, because it's not good enough that it's a picture of Netanyahu, yeah, the, star the, the, David right, the, the leader of, of Israel. They have to put the Jewish star on it, right? And, and he's leading a blind Donald Trump. Why? Because this is, oh, let me see, who, could, who said that most recently? Oh, yeah, Elon Omar, the anti-Semite representative in Congress. Is she anti-Israel? Yes. But that's not what I'm talking about. Right. She's an anti-Semite. Yeah, she's as bad as Farrakhan. Absolutely. So that anti-Semite is in the Congress, and she says, oh, well, you know, uh, Jews are loyal to Israel, not to the U.S. You know, I've taken oaths in my life, Dave, none of them to Israel. Yeah. All of them to the United States. Yeah. Every single one of them. Every time I was sworn in to a different federal job, I took an oath to the U.S. Constitution as a Jew, and she marches around saying people like me, because of my religion, have an oath or a loyalty to another country? That's anti-Semitism. That's anti-Judaism. That has nothing to do with Israel. And that's the Democrat Party. And that's why when the second question that we've been discussing, why are Jews Democrats still? The answer is, beats the heck out of me. The, the Democrats aren't your friends, Jews. Let me tell you, the Democrats are not your friends. They are laden and loaded with a bunch of anti-Semites. You know, it's funny because is it that, you know, that a, a, a majority of Jewish people think that the Republicans really are racist? Yeah. No, you know, I, here's, here's the problem. The problem is that if you grow up in a household where your parents are Democrats, more often than not, guess what? You're Democrats. And so we have this continuity, mm-hmm. and that goes back to the first question that we talked about, why historically Jews were, Jew- were, uh, were Democrats. Um, and so I think that's part of the problem. I think there tends still to be a social liberalism amongst many, not all, 
but many Jews, and and people view the Republican Party as antagonistic to that, in part, in part with some accuracy, because historically, and even to this day, there's, we have the coincidence, the coinciding or the overlap in the Republican Party. It's economic conservatives and social conservatives. And so some of those social issues, uh, Jews tend to be more liberal on. Uh, gay marriage, I, I would say, is probably the biggest example. Um, I, I, my guess, I'm just, I have no idea what the numbers are, but my guess is Jews tend to be more liberal on uh, gay marriage. You and I have discussed gay marriage many times, and and my discussion is always confined to the legal issue. Yeah. You know? No, the Constitution doesn't say it. And what did I also tell you? Constitution doesn't say anything about straight marriage either. And now the Supreme Court said otherwise. I don't buy it. I'm not on the court. I don't have to be bound by their president. If I was on the court, I would have some uh, um, boundaries based on precedent. But I'm just a guy talking on the radio. Hmm. So I'm not bound by their precedent. So I don't see any any constitutional guarantees to any form of marriage whatsoever. So, But I think Jews that remain in the Democratic Party are shooting themselves in the foot because the Democrats are not helping you. The Democrats are not out to for your interest. Here's what's within the Jews' interest, and I frankly think within Americans' interest, meaning all people's interest. Jews do best when everybody gets to compete. Jews do best when everybody gets a fair shake. Well, I think there's no doubt that these days that's a Republican Party. All right. When we come back, uh, th- we're going to talk about this anti-Semitism oh, more. Yes, sir. Because I got Scarborough going on a rant against the president. Oh, my gosh. And I've got the president speaking out on this in San Diego. That's all coming your way. You make up your mind. Do you believe what the man says or do you believe what his detractors say? What the leftists say about him. Yeah, we'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, when I listen to Joe Scarborough, it's hard for me to believe that he was ever a Republican. But the thing that really drives me crazy is that people who say, Dave, don't be so, don't be so ugly with the left and it's like are you kidding me well let me just give you think i'm ugly i want you to listen to joe scarborough here's what he had to say about our president cut number uh five the coup didn't work out so well (laughs) and i didn't need a gun for that one did i Corruption at the highest level, a disgrace. Spying, surveillance, trying for an overthrow. And we caught him. We caught him. I mean, I I just got to say, everything you said there was a lie. I know, the whole speech. An overthrow was a lie. That's the sort of inflammatory rhetoric that we've been talking about. Where the president is trying to move people to violence. An overthrow, that's a lie. It was, Donald, it was your own Justice Department that looked at what you did. Donald, it was your own attorney general, who, by the way, you told me time and time again was the smartest guy you ever had met that was in government. You said that... Jeff Sessions was the smartest guy in government and that that he would be your attorney general or if he wanted to be secretary of state, you'd name him secretary of state, that he was the best and the brightest at Washington had to offer. You made him your attorney general and then he recused himself because any lawyer in that position would recuse themselves. Then you took one step after another step after another step that required your Justice Department 
to appoint Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller conducted an investigation that you said, that you said was an honorable investigation. So I'm, I'm not really confused. I know you're trying to stir up hate and maybe even violence because your words, they certainly go on the border an awful lot. But uh, a coup, that's just a lie. You know it's a lie. You know it's irresponsible. You know it's just as irresponsible as when you say enemy of the people. That's kind of like when you talked about a Second Amendment solution to stopping Hillary Clinton from appointing federal judges that people didn't like. Second Amendment solution, the killing of Hillary Clinton. This is, we are so far beyond dog whistles here, Donald. We are so far beyond dog whistles. The blood, the blood that is spilled is on your hands from white nationalists, from people that listen to that sort of rhetoric. Any violence to journalists, enemy of the people, the kill list. Yes, let's go back to the kill list. Your Justice Department, let somebody that has a manifesto inspired by white nationalist killers, including a guy that slaughtered over 68 children. Your attorney general and you let that what person is, walk. Just, he's just rambling like an idiot. No, at this point. We are so past dog whistles now, Donald. Past dog, you do, are what just is a dog whistle? What is a dog whistle? Something you can't hear? It's just, it's just obvious. Can't hear. And that speech... It was every bit as obvious as those, quote, Second Amendment solutions that you talked about in the killing of Hillary Clinton. Did you just not say this? Joe, I heard you. Federal judges. And yes, we called it out then. Shut up already, Joe. I wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post talking about how horrific and how disqualifying it was. Hey, Joe, I know that your show was four hours, the last hour is a repeat of the first hour. You are unfit to be president of the United States. But you can do something about that. You can call out white nationalism. You can call out political violence. Hey, why you can do we call out anti-Semitism by Elon Omar? Why do we call back? out anti-Semitism by the New York Times? Why don't we call out anti-Semitism by the Democrat Party? The why do we call out the anti-Semitism? Until you call out white nationalism by its name and allow the federal government to actually see white nationalism as a threat. And that's every bit as disturbing to us Americans as it was to you that Barack Obama wouldn't call Islamic radicalism by its name. They are both threats to America, and we need a president who recognizes that. Why don't you be that president? Why don't you try? You can do it. Try to do it. For the sake of your country, for the sake of Jews that keep getting gunned down. And for the sake of others who are put in danger by your words. All right. So that's him saying I wanted to get to the end part because right. it's the anti, you know, anti-Semitism. And yeah, yeah. he's all he, white nationalism. He's blaming the synagogue shooting on Trump. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's Trump in San Diego. Right. And what did he have? Well, you already heard. I played what the rabbi said. Right. Rabbi was called by the president. He heard the words of support that the president said. And here's the the president in San Diego. This is cut number six. In Poway, California, just happened. Our entire nation mourns the loss of life, prays for the wounded, and stands in solidarity with the Jewish community. We forcefully condemn the evil of anti-Semitism and hate 
which must be defeated. Just happened. Must be defeated. And we are grateful to the law enforcement personnel for their courageous response. Incredible response today by law enforcement. And I especially want to recognize a certain off-duty Border Patrol agent who bravely returned fire and helped disrupt the attack and saved so many lives. Border Patrol. All right, now I want to go to a live coverage that they're doing in Los Angeles. Can we bring this up uh, on the board from uh, my studio? Uh, it's a press conference at uh, KABC talking about they have uh, broken up a uh, possible terror attack. Some of the partners who contributed a great deal of resources joined me up here on the podium today. They were partners in this case from inception and contributed significant resources to resolve this investigation. So there you have it, uh, this uh, impressive uh, arrest before an incident, a terror incident, which could have created uh, the kind of havoc, unfortunately, that we have seen too often. I want to bring in former D.C. homicide detective Ted Williams. And, Ted, you know, that was uh, Ryan Young. He was a special agent on this case, and he began it with something I thought was very profound. He said it's not inconceivable that under normal circumstances he would be at a press conference like this and begin with the remarks and condolences for the victims not this time. Yeah, uh, Charles, this is excellent police work. For what we're seeing is proactive law enforcement Okay, so they broke this up. Evidently, the suspect said, and, I, and this is a quote, America needs another Las Vegas event. This is the one they just broke up? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, evidently, he was going to do something in los angeles mm. so uh they they broke that up so that that's that's big news i think indeed so uh trump in san diego again going back to what he said we forcefully condemned the evil of anti-semitism and hate he called the uh of course he called up the uh, rabbi from the synagogue that was shot up over the weekend and yet you hear none of that from scarborough Nothing. It's it's all that he's nothing. He's dog whistling. Dog whistle mean you know, here boy, here boy. No, no, here's for the, the white nationalist. Right, dog whistle is one of is, is those little whistles that dogs can hear but humans can't. Right, and so well, you're not really saying something bad. It's just someone hears it that way, or or you you say something bad but we can't hear it. What what is that? Nonsense. Meaning, if you say bad words, they're bad, and if you don't say bad words, they're bad too. They're bad, too, and you can't say anything right, Dave, because you're a conservative. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're deplorable. Look, this is Joe Biden. Did you watch Joe Biden's videotape? I love it, by the way, that the guy announces his uh, campaign on video. You can't appear live? Is that? Are you a robot? What is it, Robot Joe? Well, that's uh, – and I heard somebody telling that worked with Biden uh, on his last, last presidential campaign. This is his third time now. All oh, right? I know it. I on, know his, it. on his second time – Third time's a charm. He you know said I – mean? He made the, the the statement that Joe Biden is up to his eyeballs in any of his campaigns. Right. 
He's moving things left and right. He's into minutia. And that's why they didn't do it on Wednesday. They waited until right. Thursday because he was arguing with them about where he should stand right. on the stage. Right. No, is it, well, he's the one who keeps saying, well, you know, I, I hug these people and I, I, I grab their their shoulders and sniff their hair and do all these other kind of odd behaviors. Kinky. Yeah, behaviors. Well, because because uh, that's my job. I'm a, I'm an encourager. <laughs> it, it, it's this narcissistic view of yourself that you think people want you to go around grabbing at them, sniffing at Did them. Did you see? Have you seen the uh, T-shirt out for Biden 2020? No. It says Biden 2020, right. and over the chest area, right. there's two the male two hands. hands. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, he's offering support, if I may say, yeah. right? No, support. But, you know, here's really the remarkable thing. His whole campaign video was why President Trump is, wait for it, deplorable. Hey, hey, didn't we? That's something new. Yeah, did, wait, wait a second. <laughs> didn't I see a campaign that lost on that before? Yeah. But here's my response. Hey, I hope the Dems aren't listening to your show. Keep doing it. Yeah. Keep doing it. You wanna, You're going to lose. You know who Joe Biden is? Who's that? Bob Dole, too. Bob Dole. Yeah. Bob, he's Hillary in a pantsuit. Wait a second. Hillary's in a pantsuit. He's just <laughs> Hillary. He's just Hillary. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a deplorable. It's the pantsuit. It, you know what? They both didn't have great hair, as if you come to think of it. Um, <laughs> neither here nor there. I, I, yeah, I actually I don't. I, I don't pick on people because of their looks. I really don't, but... I, I, I'm not beyond making a, a, a slight joke from time to time, so that's all we're doing. Hey, here. I want to play yeah. something from AOC that you yeah. probably didn't know about. Oh, let's hear it. Okay, you want to hear oh, I about can't it? Wait. Cut number eight. And so that is the current status of our legal documented path. It is completely unjust. And so the whole legal system right now and the way that the president is choosing to administer and grind all 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 of the agencies to a halt that process legal forms of of immigration is forcing people into the shadows. And he is creating undocumented populations in the United States. And then they are being targeted and their rights are being violated. So that's what's actually going on. And so especially in this moment, First of all, I believe in human rights. I don't care. Okay, get it. I don't care. Something new. I don't care if you're documented. I don't care if you're undocumented. All right, just stop it right there. Okay, there you go. You know, here. That's I didn't know she didn't care. People were undocumented. Here's the interesting thing, Dave. You know, as a teacher, (laughs) you've. I've used the following statement. You've heard the statement. You know where people say, oh, I, I think I may have a silly question. You say, no, 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 no. No such thing as stupid questions. Right? You've heard that, that phrase, no such thing as stupid questions. Lots it, of stupid statements. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no such thing as even stupid statements. Just stupid people. <laughs> and she's one of them. And she is one of them. If what Boston University, is that where she graduated from? I don't know. I think that's I where know. she graduated. Boston University. Yeah. I would, if they put your name somewhere on the campus because right. you're a graduate, right. I'd get rid of her. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just saying, oh I would get gosh. rid of it. Now, Beto's out there is or Beto. They come Beto or Beto? Beto. Beto? Okay, Beto's out there, too. Cut number one. Here's Beto. Immigration, millions living in the shadows, working some of the toughest jobs, lucky to make a minimum wage, some not even making that. 
kept in modern-day bondage their immigration status, used as leverage to keep them down from fully participating in this country's success and in our economy. An economy that works too well for too few and not well enough for most Americans. There you well, go. First of all, the illegals aren't Americans. I know. Let me let you know a little secret. If you have <laughs> traversed this border illegally, snuck into this country, or violated uh, a, a, when you were released uh, a, 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 for um, asylum and then told you didn't qualify and didn't show up to find out if you qualified, you're not an American. Let me step out on a limb because you heard Obama say, these people are American in all ways but one. The one that counts. They're not American. <laughs> always, always right. but one. Right. They're not American. Listen, they're not. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm not saying they're bad people. In fact, I admire them. Let but me, you don't have citizenship. You know what? You know why I admire them? Because they know America is the greatest country in the world and they want to come here or they want to stay here. I don't blame them for that. What I blame are the leftists who say... Open the borders. Oh, we're not for open borders. We're just for not for turning anybody away and not kicking anybody out. That's but open we're not borders. for open borders. It's, you know, the notion that the left has so abused language. They have taken language out back, beat it with a stick till it's a pulp. <laughs> then they pissed all over it and they kicked it into the gutter. And then they say, we're not for open borders. Let me let you in a little secret. If it walks like open borders and it talks like open borders, it's open freaking borders. We'll be back in a moment. Yeah, don't you just love how the left says that all these people are in bondage? In bondage, like, exactly. Who owns them? Who, yeah. you know, and you were right, because I, I mentioned that Beto the day before had said it was modern day slavery. Right. Well, if if the, the black community when they hear that they get ticked off, well, they're because right to, it's, by the not, way. The, the, the people, it's not because it's not they're not living right. on a plantation exactly. or anything exactly, and that's my whole thing. But that's the hyperbole of the left. You see, if the left can't make everything sound like another civil war, then they're not successful, and then they have to hold themselves in check because they're insulting the true victims of the civil war. The the left. It, you know, here's the thing. Their tactic, as we just discussed a moment ago, is to call President Trump deplorable. Mm -hmm. But what's their behavior? The behavior is deplorable. Yeah. But but the Republicans don't run a campaign and say, you're deplorable. You're you're evil. You're nasty. That's not that's not a Republican campaign. And that's why if the Democrats continue to do what they're doing, look, it's just a replay. Right. It's it's Hillary 2.0. If they do what they did last time, they will lose again. OK, now. We, we played Scarborough, and we've played some of these other people who have said that, you know, Trump is evil, oh, deplorable. Yeah. He's an anti-Semite. He's anti-Semite. His daughter's Jewish. Heard, his son-in-law is Jewish. We, his granddaughter, uh, grandchildren are Jewish. But he's an anti-Semite. We heard from the rabbi right. of the synagogue That's right. about the president. Well, That's here, right. let me play that one more time yes, for you just so you can see it. because it's wonderful. Wonderful. For everybody a here. conservative rabbi from the Chabad House in Poway, California, who was shot in the hand by a terrorist. And what does he say? Thank you, Donald Trump. Yeah. Just remember that. Here's remember cut, that. Here's cut four for you. As I was in my house, I received a personal phone call from our president, Donald Trump. I was amazed to answer the phone and say the secretary of the White House is calling 
And he spent close to 10, 15 minutes with me on the phone. I went, it's the first time I've ever spoken to a president of the United States of America. He shared with me condolences on behalf of the United States of America. And we spoke about the moment of silence. And he spoke about his love of peace and Judaism and Israel. And he was just so comforting that I'm really grateful to our president for taking the time and, and making that effort to share with us his comfort and consolation. Okay, so now tell me, Zach, take a look at cut number seven. And do I have enough time to play it? I don't. Okay, so I'll tell you. I want you to hear what CNN had to say. You got to hear what the panel discussion, what they said about the president. You've heard the rabbi now. Right. You heard the person actually who was involved in the shooting, right? And And now you're going to hear a bunch of leftists packed in D.C. who are going to tell you how bad the president is and how he caused this, even though the rabbi who was shot says the opposite. Yeah, and. When Trump was out in San Diego, speaking of this, about uh, what was a Saturday the shooting took place, uh, we forcefully condemned the evil of anti-Semitism and hate. But we'll tell you what CNN uh, gets on the air and what they have to say, because it's important. Of course, uh, at a big rally that uh, the president had, uh, the Trump started saying CNN sucks during the time the president was speaking, and the president said, you know what really sucks? Their ratings suck because people don't watch them anymore. So anyway, I'm going to play. I'm going to play this thing uh, when we come back about what CNN. I'll I'll start off by playing what the president said in San Diego. Right. We don't need to play the rabbi again. I've played that three times now, and then I'll play the CNN camp panel because words mean something. Not to the left. No. Well, yeah. Not to the left. You're correct about that, and they change. They say something. They say, but they, that that word means this now. Not yeah, when Elon this. Omar made anti-Semitic comments, she didn't understand what those words meant, according to Nancy Pelosi. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back. All right, so we played the rabbi from the uh, the synagogue that was shot up over the weekend. He got shot in the hand. A woman jumped in front of him between him and the and the gunman and died from the gunshot. And then there, there was a former a vet that was there from Iraq. He ran directly at the guy, you know, the shooter. And I guess he said, I must have made a real ugly face because he dropped his gun and turned around and ran. And the other one, the other guy that uh, got involved in this was a Border Patrol officer right. who was off duty. And he so, had, he didn't have a gun on him or something. I don't know. Yeah, he had a gun. But but I thought he had to go out and get it. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't know what the, all the facts. I'm not are. sure about that. Right. I, hadn't, I hadn't looked into that. But the bottom line, uh, this guy that ran at him and stuff said, "This is a perfect example that the only way you stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun." Yeah. And he said, "You know, the 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 left has to understand this." Yeah. So uh, anyway. Uh, you know, the president's been talking about it. He called the rabbi, condolences, talked to him, offered words of encouragement, told him the whole country was standing behind them. And then the president was speaking at San Diego later that evening, and uh, this is what he had to say. In Poway, California, just happened. Our entire nation mourns the loss of life, prays for the wounded, and stands in solidarity. With the Jewish community, we forcefully condemn the evil of anti-Semitism and hate. 
which must be defeated, just happened, must be defeated. And we are grateful to the law enforcement personnel for their courageous response, incredible response today by law enforcement. And I especially want to recognize a certain off-duty Border Patrol agent who bravely returned fire and helped disrupt the attack and saved so many lives. Border Patrol. And I also want to thank Mayor Steve Voss, had a great conversation, and Governor Gavin Newsom had a great conversation. And we stand together. We will all get to the bottom of it. We're going to get to the bottom of a lot of things happening in our country. Together, we're building a new chapter of American greatness, one founded on the idea that all citizens are entitled to live in safety, prosperity, and peace. This is an exciting time for our great country. This is an exciting time for America. Okay, so that was present. I, I think that you have to admit it was a pretty strong uh, indictment of anti-Semitism and hate. The notion—it's so ridiculous. You, you, the left calling the president anti-Semitic when, as we talked about before, and as we'll continue right now, it's exactly the opposite. And this goes back to the point that I made before the break, or one of the breaks which is the left takes language and they twist it up like a pretzel and they deep fry it, they batter it, and then they step all over it. They destroy it. Anti-Semitic, he is the, pro, the most pro-Jewish, pro-Israel, they're not the same thing, but there's some overlap, not entire overlap, but there's some overlap. President, we've had in the history of this country, let's talk about the things that he's done that are either pro-Jewish Pro-Israel. Do we have to take a break first? No. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and finish yeah. up? Uh, so, first of all, it's just his his daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren are Jewish, and it's that daughter and son-in-law that work in the White House. Not the other two sons and their wives. That one. Mm-hmm. Now, did he pick her because she's Jewish? No. But you would think if he were an anti-Semite, of the three children, he wouldn't pick the Jewish one. He's not an anti-Semite. He has a son-in-law. Not someone related by blood. Yeah, Jared. Jared, Jewish, Orthodox Jew. That means the most conservative Jew there is, works in the White House. Do you think he would pick a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law who was Jewish over the non-Jews if he was anti-Semite? And probably was one of the big, big uh, helps for Netanyahu in this last election. Absolutely. He moved the, the embassy as all presidents, Democrat and Republican, had promised, but all lies. Trump's a liar. They're the liars. They're the liars. Okay. With that in mind, yeah. here was the CNN panel. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Hold yesterday. Up. You got a vomit bag? Do you have a vomit <laughs> bag You me? might need one. Okay. Talking about this, yeah. and their push in this whole segment that I'm going to play with is that 
you shouldn't believe when Trump says he condemns the synagogue shooting. We could have had more deaths. We want to give, on one hand, you want to give the president his due. But when you consider the language that we have been discussing over the last couple of days, especially with Joe Biden getting getting into the race, what the president has said, making excuses, revisionist history about what happened in Charlottesville and on and on, one has to wonder as a thinking, rational person if he means those words and if they ring hollow to Americans who have been looking for him to say those things and stay the course, as Angela has said, instead of trafficking in bigotry and racism and anti-Semitism and hate and making excuses for us. I want to believe it. I want to believe it. But I sat in this very seat last night and gave a blow-by-blow explanation of why his revision of history, revisionist history of what happened in Charlottesville and what he said afterwards, why it was a total lie. Mm-hmm. So how do we reconcile that as America? I'm going to be real here. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, well, what do you have to say? What do you have to say? And, oh, let's hear the president. I'm going to be real. How do you believe him? What should we believe? You don't believe him. Look, and, and like everything right now, uh, the people who support him are going to be. No, we're not going to allow making excuses on this and network. And the people who uh, don't support him can hear through the hollowness of his words. Because we're not talking about two years ago or the campaign. We're talking about two days ago when he was relitigating Charlottesville. Yesterday. When we all saw uh, neo-Nazis with tiki torches uh, chanting, Jews will not replace us, Jews will not replace us. It was precisely about anti-Semitism. We all saw and we all know that he didn't say a word about the black churches. We all know that he didn't say a word condemning Steve King, the congressman from uh, Iowa. So it's time after time after time after time. No, but you, no, you, know what I'm you want to believe this. it. You want to. You want to, but it, it, we I need just don't to, know. but I don't know that we can. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It, it, it's, it's. I knew fact, you would love to yeah, listen it, to that. It's fact free comment, uh, 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 condemnation by the left. Don Lemon. I want to believe it, but I'm not going to believe it, even though the facts tell me otherwise. It's. You know, let's go back to the Charlottesville thing. And I said on your show at the time, Dave, I said Trump had a problem with Charlottesville, but not the one the left says. Yeah. He was addressing too many issues at once, talking about too many things related to Charlottesville at once, and the message got muddled. And with those types of issues, you got to keep it crisp and clean. But there was no doubt. He said that he didn't like white supremacists. Exactly. But from from a rollout standpoint... He had too many things going on at once. From a substance standpoint, he said at the time that neo-Nazis are bad, the white supremacists are bad, but he said there are people, and these are my words just to be clear Mm -hmm. because I'm going to make it crisper than it was. The substance is the same, just the rollout's different. His point was quite simply, people who support maintaining the statues of Robert E. Lee are not bad people per se. Or not bad, right? I mean, you could be a bad person who happens to support that. But, but you the point probably, is that, or you may not be right, a exactly, bad meaning, person. The fact that you're supporting a statue of Robert E. Lee doesn't make you a bad person. Look, I've, I told you, I've lived as an adult the longest time in my life in Arkansas. But still, I spent most of my life in the North. 
So I didn't grow up familiar with these images. I've talked to a lot of people in the North and in the South about the Robert E. Lee type statues. And what's clear is there's a lot of support for those statues based on history, based on allegiance to the states over the then dominant, perhaps now dominant federal government. And it had nothing to do with racism or or, uh, slavery. Uh, And so if someone says... I support the uh, uh, Robert E. Lee statue staying up, but I don't believe in racism and I obviously don't believe in slavery. I take them at their word. I think that's I think that is a perfectly plausible position to have. And that was the point that Donald Trump was trying to bring out. And it's not the same as saying, well, what about a statue to Hitler? No. But you know what? Let's say. And I don't know if they have statues, but what was it? Rommel was a famous German general in the Middle East during World War II. And North Africa. In North Africa, exactly. And and I don't have a lot know a lot of history about Rommel, but my understanding is he was serving his nation not as a Nazi, not as an anti Semite, but as a soldier. And so if you want to draw an analogy, draw that type of analogy. Don't draw an analogy to to, to pure hate mongers. And my understanding and I don't have a great knowledge of it, by the way, of Robert E. Lee, is he was not a hate monger. Well, I know that he let all of his slaves go. Is that right? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I know all that he did yeah. that. Uh, and uh, and for all the people who say, well, they all should have done that. Let me okay. just right. make yeah, a, a, it, a, a, a defense. Right. And that is this. Many of the black slaves at that time didn't have any kind of education, if they had just said, you're on your own, I don't know if they could have made it or not. Well, you know, I'll make an even a broader statement, which is, uh, you know, there's a statement in the Bible about Noah that he was a great man of his time, and that's interpreted as meaning he was deeply flawed. But amongst the people, he was a great man at that time. Mm-hmm. We celebrate correctly, by the way, George Washington, yep. slave owner. Yep. We celebrate. They were released after he died. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, we celebrate the founding fathers, many of whom, slaveholders. They were flawed individuals. They were products of their time. And we don't write them out of history because they were slave owners. We recognize that that was a, a, a dramatic flaw. But we don't write them out of history. Nope. And, and that's the point. Some people would like to. Uh, oh, the left. They've the take, entire they've left would. They've taken his name off the of school. The entire left would. And that's the point about the Robert E. Lee statue. You know, you say, well, what's your opinion, Robert? I don't know enough about it, i got to tell you. But the notion, much like I've said about on your show, you say, well, you know, oh, it's hate-mongering when, when people are against gay marriage. No, it's not. No, it's not. Whether or not you're for gay marriage or against gay marriage. If someone's against gay marriage because they say, I'm against gay marriage because I'm told that my Bible prohibits gay marriage. Which, by the way, if you're talking about the, the Old Testament, it does. I'm sorry. You don't have to agree yeah, with it. The same way in the New Testament in Romans, it's right. very clear. Well, and it, subscri- it adopts uh, fr- from the Old Testament is my point. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, you don't have to subscribe to the Bible. I do. You do. Most of your audience, I suspect, does. But there's no law required. But if you do... Doesn't make you a racist. Doesn't make you a homophobe. It just says, I'm sorry. Bible says it's prohibited behavior. Sorry. Yeah. Doesn't say that I have the right to go around beating Not on them. Not at all. 
or keeping them from getting a job. Not or at hang all. Out. Yeah, and in fact, it says you have I to never love say your that. neighbor. Yeah, of you course. To, you know, so please, you know, and I've always said on your show, be respectful of people with with whom you disagree, religiously or otherwise. Don't treat them poorly. That's not that's not godlike. That's not biblical. That You're is not. Exactly right. That is not. Um, but so, but the left is so. Look, what is all this? We this whole conversation boils down to one word, and it boils down to deplorable. This was the tactic that Hillary invented. She called Donald Trump deplorable. All of these accusations, it's anti-Semitism, it's random, it all comes under this category of deplorable. It's a losing strategy. The left clings to it the way they claimed that conservatives clung to guns and God. Let me tell you, I cling to both all the time. Uh, that the, the left is clinging to this notion of de- deplorable, and I hope they continue to because they'll lose another presidential election. All right. Before we go to break, uh, this just breaking Oscar nominated writer and director John Singleton has died. Oh, my. Uh, he wasn't that old, was he? he? No, 51. He oh was my 51 goodness. years old. The Singleton family told Fox News on uh, earlier today that uh, he had passed away peacefully surrounded by his family and friends. What was well, the cause? Well, he had a stroke oh a couple goodness. of weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. Well, and, you know, I feel for this family because my family walked this exact road mm-hmm. uh, back in 1988 with my father. Mm-hmm. They say they want to thank the amazing doctors at Cedar sinai Hospital for their expert care and kindness. We again want to thank all of John's fans, friends, and colleagues for all of the love and support they showed him during this difficult time. The news comes just hours after it was revealed that his family had made the agonizing decision. And let me tell you what, it is agonizing. He was on life support. Mm, yeah. And he, he was dead in every way possible except machines keeping his lungs working and his heart pumping. Uh, and they, they had to make that decision to remove him off of life support. It was a decision made over a number of days with the careful counsel of his doctors. The family had previously said in a news statement, uh, Singleton is a prolific groundbreaking director who changed the game, opened doors in Hollywood, a world that was just a few miles away, yet worlds away from the neighborhood in which he grew up. The statement said Uh, he had been in a coma following a stroke last week. The director's family had previously announced that he had a stroke on April 17th, but there had been no details revealed about the seriousness of his condition. Monday's earlier statement said that John loved nothing more than giving opportunities to new talent, and here are some of the talents that he gave uh, voice to. Tupac Shakur, Regina King, Cuba Gooding Jr., Terrence Howell, uh, Howard, Ice Cube, Therese and uh, Teresa Hinson. And uh, and it, that last name, if it sounds familiar, it's because you hear Matt Smith and I rave about her constantly. She's such a great actress. We are grateful all the fans, friends, and colleagues. They said, according to his family, Singleton, and, and let this be a warning to you if you have high blood pressure, uh, quietly struggled with hypertension and asked that friends learn about the condition by going to heart 
dot org. So John Singleton dead at fifty one. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We got more here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, let's talk a little local. We're gonna we'll come up on the four o'clock hour. We can talk here for a few moments and then carry it over into the next hour because yeah, there's local stuff to talk as it's well. It's real news. It's real news. Okay, we got a couple of big articles today. Uh one that was mentioned on the uh front of B uh for the Arkansas Democrat is that is that former NATO Supreme Allied Commander Wesley Clark is uh, speaking or is planning to speak at college campuses about the important, and we're glad that he's going to do that, and he should not be kept from doing that, though I'm sure that he's a Democrat. That's okay with oh, me. Oh, he's a Democrat. Okay. Yeah. That's well, okay. Yeah. That's okay with us. That's why we fought and, for uh, the law that we did. Also, a military general he, um, uh, with a lot of insights beyond just left and right to present to the college students. I think it's wonderful that he talks to them. But anyway, he's not going to be asking students to vote for him. In an interview, the retired four-star general said he won't be running for office in 2020 despite being asked by some Arkansas Democrats. Bottom line is uh, I think he knows he doesn't have a great chance of getting No, he couldn't get elected to anything. Not at the political climate that we have here in the state. No. unless The only thing he could get elected to— and this is not disparaging, would be in – there are several Democratic districts, including the Heights where I live. It's a Democratic district. Uh, so he, if, he li- if he lived in one of the Democratic districts, he could get elected to the House or Senate yep. uh, as a Democrat. He doesn't want to do that. Of course he doesn't want to do that. I'm just, it, that's it, it. It's Wesley Clark, all right? right? Statewide, he, he can't get elected. He would want, he would want he to run. He wants statewide office. He would want to run for constitutional office. Exactly. That's called governor. Right. And, and he couldn't get elected. Well, it ain't gonna, the election's not until 2022. But, but it, unless the demographics of this state change dramatically in the next few years, he couldn't get elected. And we are saying dramatically. Uh, no, remarkably. It's, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> By the way, it, it's no insult to him. He's, he's, no. he's smart. He says, well, I, I, can, I can read polls. I can realize that I'm not going to get elected. I'm not going to waste my time. Um, he's... He's, he's not a dumb guy. No. <laughs> he's a bright guy. But yeah. he's he's definitely a Democrat. He's got uh, uh, liberal ideas on many things, so I wouldn't vote for him. But I'd, I'd love to have a conversation with him. Uh, I, I know for a fact he's an interesting guy, smart guy. So Yeah, anyway, he will not be running. No. Just so no. everybody knows. Yeah. He's decided. Hey, by the way, I'm I'd not welcome, running for nothing. I'd welcome him to run for governor when Tim Griffin wins governorship. Because he'll beat you like a bad drum. Yeah, well, Tim, Tim's going to be the Republican nominee for the governorship next time, and he's going to win the governorship. And it's not me pontificating or or a puffery. It's just I, I can I can add. Yeah, right. And I think everybody who keeps saying they're going to run that I've heard about probably will end up not running. Uh, uh, let him run. That's my uh, that's my. I, I give you the outcome, not the process. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you who's going to win, but All right. it's okay. Let's take a break. Yep. We'll come back. We'll talk about lawmakers noting their ballot issue views that they want people to vote into law, and then we'll talk about gun bills yeah. that did not get put into play yep. during this last session. That's all coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah. All right. We're back. All right. Before we get into talking about the local, uh, a terror plot, we play a little bit of the news uh, conference of this, a terror plot by an army veteran who converted to Islam 
and planned to bomb a white supremacist rally in Southern California as retribution for the New Zealand mosque attacks was thwarted, federal prosecutors said today. Mark Domingo, 26, an infantryman who served a combat stint in Afghanistan, was arrested by federal agents Friday while finalizing plans to plant a bomb at a Nazi rally that had been scheduled Sunday in Long Island. Domingo was arrested on a charge of providing material support to terrorists and a criminal complaint said he had been planning since March to manufacture and use a weapon of mass destruction in order to commit mass murder. Court papers show that Domingo discussed with an informant different types of attacks that included targeting Jews, churches, and police officers. Domingo allegedly said he wanted revenge for attacks on mosques in New Zealand that killed 50 people last month. He allegedly bought parts, including nails, for an improvised explosive device that would be remotely triggered, but in fact contain inert materials, FBI agent Tasha Coolidge said in an affidavit. If they survived the planned bombing at Bluff Park, Domingo discussed launching further attacks on the parts and or the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles or on a train. White nationalists never showed up to the planned event in Bluff Park, but a large group of counter-protesters uh, demonstrated a message left on a phone listed for Domingo was not immediately returned. Of course, he said what the country needed uh, was another Las Vegas. And it's kind of interesting when you think about this because if you'll remember, there's people who said that what Trump said about Charlottesville was wrong because he called Black Lives Matters and Antifa. He correlated the white nationalists and the um, Antifa people. He said they were basic; they were one and the same because they both believe in in attacking people and hurting people. And uh, the left has said, "You can't say that." Those people. Well, yeah, they they had every right to be that way, though. They were going after white nationalists. So are they going to say the same thing about this guy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it okay that he was going to set off a, an explosion mm-hmm. at a Nazi rally? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Look, I mean, doesn't we, that make sense? We, we've talked about how the left has intentionally um, misrepresented what Donald Trump, what President Trump said in Charlottesville. And I, and I said earlier in the show... I said it was it, it, it was not the best rollout when he said it. It was not at all substantively the problem. It was a um, it was a uh, um, uh, rollout. I'm thinking of another term. I can't think of it, so I'll just go on past it. Uh, Trump at the time made clear he denounced white supremacists. He just denounced neo Nazis, and he pointed out that there are good folks that support not tearing down Confederate soldiers. That we know to be a true statement. We know that to be a factual statement. We know there are good people that support maintaining statues of Robert E. Lee. Um, And if you can't say that today in America, then the left has won won because their control of language, their abuse 
their absolute destruction of the English language has won. And that's the tragedy. Okay. So anyway, keep this in mind. I'm, I'm, I want to hear the left if they uh, say to this guy, well, you know, he was fighting against evil, so relax. Just let him go. Just let him go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cage fight. Make a cage fight out of him. Now, this is something that we've talked about quite a bit, and that's what happened during the last session. Yes. And you were there a lot. Oh, I so you know, exactly. I was there when every you week on, and yeah, nearly when, every day. Yeah, whenever you weren't on the air, don't think that he wasn't at the Capitol because mm-hmm. he was. He was walk, he was working behind the scenes. Legislative proposals on both sides of the gun rights debate in Arkansas this year had varied results, with three becoming law, some struggling in committee, and one resulting in a viral video viewed more than two hundred or uh, two and a half million times around the world. Republicans, despite their majority grip on the Arkansas legislature, failed to bring to a vote a proposal to eliminate gun-free zones. The zones were created after a contentious battle in 2017 that resulted in a law allowing people with enhanced carry permits to take concealed handguns onto college campuses, into public buildings, bars, and churches. In another effort, a stand-your-ground bill that would have eliminated the duty to retreat from the state's self-defense laws, failed by a single vote in a Senate committee. The impassioned opposition to the proposal by State Senator Stephanie Flowers, Democrat of Pine Bluff, later gained viral fame. Democrats also experienced their share of legislative defeats, uh, defeats in their efforts to enact new gun control policies by tapping into discontent over the 2017 enhanced carry laws so not uh, not not go, go on go on and read about oh, if you if you a if series you of democrat backed bills would have implemented universal background checks barred convicted domestic abusers from processing guns and uh, of course the part that interests me that you're going to flip to coming the up to, yeah the right. part of uh, 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 regarding the stand your ground law meeting for uh, see yeah, which was bob ballinger's bill Perfectly reasonable bill. Something like 33 states, by the way, out of 50, have stand your ground, and we're not one of them. Now, here, here's the yeah. other part, all right? Yeah. Anyway, they said they also did not uh, succeed in creating a new type of judicial order to seize weapons from a person considered dangerous. Yeah. Only one proposal, the domestic abuser ban, made it out of committee. It did not become law. Bottom line, that's... They were talking there a moment ago about red flag. State Senator Bob Ballinger, a staunch supporter of access to firearms, who proposed a stand-your-ground measure, Senate Bill 484, said Republicans were extremely successful in passing legislation friendly to gun owners during their this year's regular legislative session. I'd give them a, a 70%. Ballinger pointed to Act 61, which cuts the cost of a concealed Handgun License Acts 1051 and 495, which removed the state's prohibition on machine guns, sawed-off shotguns, and gun silencers. Those weapons are legal for people with federal firearms licenses now. So anyway. What Bob forgot to mention, he passed another bill pro-gun, which was a bill that clarified what should have been, and I think is existing law, but there was some dissension. And I've talked, by the way, a lot about this before, and that, that is, people say, "Why do you need another law?" Because the bureau hacks are not following existing law. 
So you got to make it even more clear. He passed a law, Bob Ballinger did, that said cops, when off duty, are allowed to carry yeah. their guns like they're on duty. Yeah, in the classroom. In the Anywhere. classroom. That's right. That's yeah. right. Classrooms everywhere. And this was a controversy. We talked about it for on the, the left, show. For the left, it was. For the left, right. And, and, and for right people that are Republicans that should know better. Right. Um, and so uh, Bob passed that bill, and now the cops can carry guns like you want them to. You want your cops carrying guns at all times. And there was some attempt to prohibit cops when off-duty from carrying their guns. I mean, it's just this kind of behavior is remarkable. What's it say about the Stand Your Ground? Did you read that already? Okay, I mean, well, yeah. I will yeah. talk about the Stand yeah. Your Ground. That's SB 484. Right. Uh, moms Demand Action for Gun Sense also mentioned that in an email to supporters last week about applauding the defeat of a dangerous gun bill. The bill never gained the public support of Governor Asa Hutchinson, which I don't understand, but it didn't, a uh, Republican, of course, and was opposed by a coalition of police chiefs, sheriffs, and prosecutors who called the language unnecessary. It failed to get out of the eight-member Senate Judiciary Committee by a single vote with Senator John Cooper, a Republican in Jonesboro, joining three Democrats against the bill. By the way, John Cooper will be in uh, an election uh, in March of next year uh, in the primary. Mm -hmm. And Dan Sullivan, a solidly conservative uh, Republican, which Dan Cooper is not. No. I won't say that he's not a Republican, no, but, no, but you can't, he, he re, he, you can't, you can't call, call yourself, yourself a conservative, conservative and vote against Daniel Brown. Right. Sorry. So the, you don't have to, by the way, call yourself a conservative. But if you want to call yourself a conservative, you've got to vote for Stand Your Ground. Yeah. And Cooper voted against Stand Your Ground along with three Democrats. And so he's now taking up. He's taking he's up gonna, a conservative gonna, spot. And he's going to, yeah, he's going to be challenged by Dan Sullivan, who I firmly support. He's a solid conservative. Yeah, Dan I, Sullivan I, I, is I a go solid conservative, and Cooper's vote demonstrates that he's not a solid conservative. And both have been on my show. Yeah. Oh, but you never way, heard me refer to Cooper as a conservative. No. Very friendly guy. Very nice yeah. guy. I'd be happy to have him at my house for dinner, you know, that, or go to his house for dinner, and perfectly uh, pleasant individual, and it, it, I wouldn't vote for him for, for a Senate position because he's not conservative. Sorry. I hope yeah. that's not an insult. By the way, you know who else is a really nice guy? Will Bond. He's my state senator. He is really a nice guy. guy. Really nice guy. I, I don't vote for Will. He's totally sorry, wrong on most He's things. He's a leftist. I'm sorry, Will. I met Will's father. Really nice guy. He's a um, he's an engineer, I think. Um, really nice guy. Really smart guy. Um, Will's a, Will is a is a really just a, 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 a pleasant person to talk with. I would never vote for Will. Sorry. So I, I, I worked I, with Will. Oh, is that right? Yeah. During the time that Jacksonville was trying to get their own school district, I see. and he right. was a big on proponent that of yeah. that. Yeah, And I, I solidly supported him on right. that. Right. But when he took over the uh, Arkansas Democrat Party for a right. while, right, he went off the reservation. Look, he's a leftist, and or he probably would call himself a progressive. But what, whatever, he's he's progressing to what? Yeah, exactly. that's a broader story, right? But the point is, 
I'm not going to vote for Will because our politics are different, not because I dislike the guy. Yeah. I'm not going to vote for Cooper because our politics are different, not because I don't like the guy. I'm sorry. Cooper's not a conservative. And Dad, you know what? Right. What you just yeah. said yeah. is part of a problem that we have in this state right. when uh, you got people running in in primaries and whatever right. Right. and voting for people because they're nice people. Yeah, that's a thing. That's well, a thing. I've known that. I've known Bubba for yeah, right. 25 years, and we're great friends. Right. Right. And you probably have never sat and really talked politics with Bubba. Exactly. And if you did, you go, you believe that? Exactly. Yeah. And, and if they don't believe the way you do, yeah. don't vote for don't them. Don't vote for them. Be, your, the be their friend, but exactly. you just can't vote for them. Exactly. What, what, what's, is it John Cooper? I'm, I forgot uh, Cooper's first name. Yeah, John. John, right, yeah. Um, look. Uh, I met him on your show, actually, a couple of times. Yeah. Um, he was doing the thing with the barbers. Right. The thing, right. Uh, but here's the thing. And by the way, I thought his his uh, his idea about deregulating uh, uh, barber licensing was a good idea. But he, but it does bespeak a broader issue. He's worried about barber licensing. People like Bob Ballinger are worried about stand your ground. Yes. I, I, I'm more concerned about stand your ground. Sorry. You say, well, it doesn't happen very free. It only has to happen once. And it only you, it only has to happen to you once, or someone you know once, or anybody in the state once, for it to be an important issue. It's just it, it's small in percentage, huge in impact. And he, I've described this previously, I think, on your show, Dave, which is they say, well, what's the big deal? All uh, the current law, all it says is if a bad guy is trying to kill you and you can get away, you got to try to get away. Well. Do I look like uh, uh, I know everything? Do I look omniscient? Do I know whether I can get a- away? So what did they say? Wait, stop. Well, look wait. to your left. Didn't, look to your right. Wait, as a guy shooting me. Check it out. Didn't you tell me one time that your back is bulletproof? Well, exactly. Turn around. Put that bulletproof back of yours <laughs> towards the bad guy as you look around to determine. And you're going to shoot him anyway because the bullet's going to bounce off your right, back and strike him. Exactly. And so, so you know, just... Look around to determine if you can get away. And then when you determine, by the way, there's no dispute that you're under deadly threat because that's the only time this is relevant, when you can use deadly force. It's when you're under deadly threat. So um, take a pause, get your chai latte, maybe a biscuit, you know, and I'm talking about <laughs> British latte. biscuit, you know, not, not, the, not the southern biscuit, right? A little British biscuit, a chai latte, uh, take, <clears throat> kick off the flip-flops and sit in your recliner Take a look around to determine whether or not you can get away. Then after you make that determination, say, oh, timeout is over. I call timeout over, bad guy. Let's start the shooting again. (laughs) I mean, it's just, that's why this is important. Not because people on the right want to be able to shoot bad guys even when they can get away because it's unrealistic to expect a good guy to make that determination. So, well, if you can't make the determination, well, then you can do whatever you want. That's what the law says. Yeah, okay. By the way, the jury gets to make that call. Not you. The jury gets to make that call. It's, and, it's stu- as stupid as saying that you got to look at the guy that's got the gun and say, hey, excuse me, do you mind if I pull mine? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, or oh, uh, the bad guy's gun didn't have any bullets in it when he was pointing. Well, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care. If someone's pointing a gun at me. I don't have to, to wait till he shoots at me to determine if, that, if he could kill me. That's enough evidence. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be just like Bob Hope. Yeah. Somebody is over there, looks like you're going to do something bad to me. 
I'm going to take and have to use both hands to pull up my gun out of my holster. And then when I aim it, the end of the barrel is about two inches from the fork. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, there's some, uh, you know, issues that are going to be on the ballot. Let's talk about those. Yep. And, uh, you know, some wins and some losses there. And maybe they went too far on one. We got some stuff to talk about on this issue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're back. It's Dave. We're sitting here talking about what we barbecued this weekend because it's time. It's just cricking time to start barbecuing. I, you said that now this flank steak you did. I did a flank steak. It was fantastic. Here's the key to a flank steak. It's uh, two, two and a half minutes open grill on both sides. Two and a half minutes one side, two and a half minutes another side, and about two minutes closed grill. And that's it. If you overcook that flank steak, forget about it. But you have to get Go ahead the, and eat your shoe. Eat your shoe. But, <laughs> uh, and I got the flank steak at Sam's. They have what? Uh, I got to tell you, by the way, seriously, folks, one of the best places to get. You think you need to go to fancy butchery? You know, good meat there, huh? You, fantastic. They, they have beautiful sirloin, beautiful fillets. Okay, which one? Uh, I, I've, been to, I've been to the one in Conway and I've been to the one in Little Rock. Both. Beautiful cuts of meat. I'm not kidding you. Uh, the um, uh, what's the ribeye? They oh, have, I love ribeye. Not only that, they've got the big. What's the thick ribeye one called? The tomahawk. You can yeah. get a tomahawk prepackaged at Sam's Club. How much? You remember? I want to say it was in the twenties. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so let's say twenty five bucks. I mean, it's a big piece of meat. I'm here. I'm going to tell you what I I got two. Yeah. Tomahawks in the bottom of my freezer right now. They're fantastic. They're fantastic. Yeah. They're good. You, uh, Sam's, and here's, I'm no expert on it, but I think Sam's, they order in such bulk. They get, they have high turnover of meat. They get it in. It's fresh. It's fantastic looking. It's really absolutely. You know what I buy, Odor? What's that? I buy Alaskan salmon. Oh, it's fantastic. it's really good. The salmon they have is fantastic. Uh, They have a bunch of different fish. That's really wonderful. I like fish. I'm a big fish Oh, me too. So, and um, they have a very nice smoked salmon, that. if you like smoked salmon, in a package. I've not tried it. Huh? Yeah. It's good? Yeah. That's kind of a New York thing. It's, okay. it's, it's absolutely wonderful if you like a smoked salmon. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to try it, just see what you know, if I like it or not. All right, so when we come back, uh, title of the article is Lawmakers Note Ballot Issue Views. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. Now, something else that we're going to have to deal with. And when I was doing my show at the Capitol that I was concerned about because I understand why people have gotten so upset about how easy it is if you got somebody who's got a pretty good-sized wallet to be able to get an, an initiated act or a proposed constitutional amendment onto the, the ballot. And so the Republicans, Matthew Pitch being from Fort Smith, uh, and he was on the show, talked about what he wanted in the, in the bill and they wanted to make it tougher. And House Re- uh, Representative Deanne Vaught from Horatio, where I don't have any idea where that's at, by the yeah. way, warned at uh, this meeting that they had 
that voter approval of another proposed constitutional amendment, one that would further limit terms of legislators, would mean more lawmakers to the left and fewer supporters of farmers. But the backer of two successful initiated ballot proposals, and that would be uh, Lawyer Couch, I'm sure, countered that in nearly 40 years, the legislature has proposed the vast majority of successful challenges to the state constitution. Now, let uh, Pitch and Vault spoke to about 50 people at the Arkansas Farm Bureau's policy meeting uh, Wednesday in Little Rock. Later that day, the Republican-controlled legislature adjourned after uh, going through some of all this stuff that they're trying to meet after their meeting for 88 days. During the session, the legislature voted to refer to voters in the 2020 general election a proposed amendment that would make it more difficult for Arkansans to qualify proposed initiated act and constitutional amendments for the ballot. The proposal also would increase the vote threshold for the House and Senate to refer uh, refer proposed amendments to voters. At the meeting, Pitch said, quote, in Arkansas, the outside world looks at us as an easy market. And what they have done is they have figured out that you can go to about two spots in our state where there is big populations, predominantly one type of ideology. If you collect signatures there, you can change and literally govern, and I'm going to call it what it is, to the left when our state has predominantly gone middle to the slightly middle right, and when you look at it, it is things like casinos, marijuana, higher minimum wage, things that the liberal-type elites and entities want to get across our country. But we are such an easy mark with our Constitution to be changed that they come here first because you only have to go to a very small percentage of our state to gather signatures and market in that small part of the state. The rest of the state really isn't marketed to at all about their citizen-led initiatives. So the State Chamber of Commerce, the Farm Bureau, worked with us on developing this. We ha- uh, They said, we have to protect the Constitution, said Pitch, who is the Senate sponsor of the proposed constitutional amendment. The Arkansas Constitution has been changed 20 times in the past seven elections. And uh, some of those proposals were from the legislature. That is not a constitution written in granite. That's a piece of paper with good ideas thrown on it, said Pitch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what they've done is they've made it that you have to come up with more names. Uh, you you don't get that cure period that you used to get. When they count, if you don't have the signatures, you're out. Okay, and then uh, you... I think I'm trying to think there's another major part. Uh, the 2020 ballot contained in House Joint Resolution 1008 by Vought would require initiated petitions to have a certain percentage of ballot signatures of registered voters from each of 45 counties. The Constitution now sets that minimum at 15 of the state's 75 counties. Uh, I'm just trying to look at you have to go into 45 or 75 counties and do their thing. Amendment 100 initiated proposal that was approved by voters in 18 authorizes the state to license for casinos. HJR 1008 would eliminate the 30 day cure period. 
which gives more time to gather signature to sponsor a proposed ballot measure, falls short. The proposal also requires a three-fifths vote up from the current majority vote. Uh, in the House and Senate, the rever- uh, re- you know, a proposed amendment to voters. See, I, I now I would, I'd go along with that. You got to have a two-thirds vote when it goes to the well, ballot. Well, it's not even two-thirds. It's only three. It's only sixty percent. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I understand if you want to get past the fifty plus one right. threshold, right. make it more because, like you said, or the, you know, you had twenty changes in the last seven years. Right. That's not what the framers here right. in Arkansas had in mind. They didn't think that. They'd be able to get all these people would get all these national groups to throw money at them. I was not a big fan of the amendment as it was worded for the casinos, not because I'm against no, casinos. You don't put businesses in the Constitution. Yeah, how do you put a business in the Constitution? How do they get a guarantee? That, that looks that looks hinky, that as we like to looks, say up in New York. Look good. Don't look good. That ain't right. That's what we say. That ain't right. Well, here's what I think is pro- uh, promoting this. One, yeah. and it got thrown off the ballot, but it could have been on this last election, and that's about term limits. Yeah. They didn't want that bill to pass, and they kept it, I believe, from passing or from getting on the ballot. Right. And so now they're trying to make sure it never does get on right. the ballot. And right. the other is there's no – and I got to get uh, David Couch – Attorney David Couch back on the show. See if we can do that. Maybe this week I'll make I'll make a call to him. He had told us two years ago that 2020 was the year for uh, recreational marijuana, and uh, I believe, well, I, he can still beat it if he brings it up next year. He'll it'll be on the ballot while there'll be something else on the ballot that tries to keep it from getting on the ballot, so to speak. So that that will be an interesting, uh, you know, fight going into that. So uh, we'll get David Couch on it to talk about it. Now, I thought it's a good thing to, to think about, about doing. However, I don't like how draconian this particular piece of legislation was. Look, I'll go along with how many counties you got to get signatures from. Because 15 out of 75 is not enough. That's not a lot. That's that 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 that's not enough. The forty-five out of seventy-five, I can go along with. And look, I've been involved in two initiated acts, so I can tell you, I know it's not an easy lift. All right, I know for a fact that it's not an easy lift. But the bottom line is, uh, we have made it too easy, and we've made it too easy for entities that can raise money and. Uh, can go out and enlist the number of people necessary to get the votes. It used to be you couldn't have people that came in from out of the state and go and, and gather the signatures. Now you can. Now they're, you know, now they're going to make it, trying to make it tougher uh, for those groups because they're going to have to get more. Right. Right. Signatures. Right. So, you know, and then uh, another one that's on the legislature also referred to voters in the 2020 general election, a proposed constitutional amendment that would limit future state lawmakers to serving a dozen consecutive years and then allow them to return to office after a break of four years. The proposal is in Senate Joint Resolution 15 by Senator Alan Clark of Lonsdale. Under this amendment, 
Uh, amendment, well, this is Amendment 94, approved by voters in 2014. Lawmakers are limited to serving up to 16 years, with senators able to serve longer because of adjustments for redistricting. Uh, amendment 94 loosened limits set in a previous amendment. Meanwhile, in Arkansas uh, term... Uh, limits bill committee filed a different proposal that would limit representatives to three, two years. I mean, it's just been a mess. This has been a mess. Now, as far as uh, Allen's term limit bill goes, it's 12 years. You can take four years off and then you can run again in four years again. For another 12 years. Yeah. Right? For yeah. another 12. Up to 12 years. Yeah. Right. So, Basically, that's six terms as a House member or three terms as a senator. Senator, right. And that, but it's that with a break and then the possibility of starting the process over. Yeah, coming back. Right, you come right, back and, right. and run. But four years is a long time to oh, be yeah, out of oh, office. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm say that. Yeah. I just, uh, and, and that's good because that, it was the way it was written first. Clark had written in there that uh, uh, the people would no longer be able to put forth any kind of initiated act to change term limits. And he took, he struck that out of the. How can you do that? I guess you, you know, it, it always strikes me odd if you want to make an amendment that says, and then there shall be no more amendments on this issue. I'd always, uh, there's kind of a debate on that issue, I think in academic circles, but I think it, I think it's permissible, but it always strikes me as odd. Well, if you have an amendment process, how can you undo the amendment process for the one thing that you just made an amendment for? You know, <laughs> some people want to have their way all well, the time. Well, that's it. That's it. If you if you really kind of want to lock it in, then that's what you do. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, those are two big, big issues that'll be on the um, 2020 ballot. Just so you know, and you're going to have a uh, not to mention whatever. Certain groups can get on there. I do believe that recreation mar- marijuana is going to be on the 2020 yeah. ballot. Yeah. I do feel that that's going to happen. All right, we'll come back. We'll finish up the next segment. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, our good friends from Conduit News are going to come on. Now, they're against all of these uh, the government's initiated acts. Uh, some people are against tightening it up uh, for the... Um, the people and not tightening it up enough for, you know, the the senators and the House members. It's a little known fact, Robert, and yeah. I, I think everybody needs to be aware of this. And this is where all of this, I think, needs to come to culmination when you're talking about this. By law, by our Constitution, the House and the Senate can get rid of any constitutional amendment that's passed by the people with a two-thirds vote in both House and Senate. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. They can get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a lot of talk about people wanting to try to do that with the minimum wage. Because a lot of people were upset with the people voting that in. I'm one of them. Okay? Because, look, I don't think it's right for a voter out there to tell the owner of a business, how much they have to pay uh, their worker. That's up to the worker who's selling his uh, his Labor. talent. 
right. to to the person who owns the business. So, uh, and and with the a lot of the arguments I heard from, you know, uh, who was it, um, Robin Lundstrom and Bob Ballinger and a few others about you know very small businesses and going in and giving them exemptions and the governor was against that and and I got to tell you they come back in 2 years they should be ready if it's if a lot of businesses take it on the chin because of this that bill needs to be gotten rid of however don't expect those businesses to suddenly spring right back up right cuz it ain't going to happen that's right so um yeah, people just you know they they think with their hearts instead of with their brains right. sometimes. Often, yeah. And it's just, that's or at just, least just too a, often. Yeah, it's a problem. We'll right. come back. We'll talk further. It's the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Hey, don't forget, Eric Coleman over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry is going to have a Mother's Day inventory blowout sale. Mother's Day, if I'm not mistaken, Sunday the 12th. May 12th, if I'm not mistaken. And if you want to get something made for your uh, mother-in-law, or most of us married guys that have kids, uh, we wish them Happy Mother's Day by maybe giving them some jewelry. Twenty uh, percent off. You have to mention the coupon that I have in my hand, showing everybody on Facebook. Twenty percent off. You must mention the coupon before a transaction. Only one coupon per customer. Must be used on jewelry purchases. Cannot be used on jewelry repairs and it expires May 31st of 2019. Also, don't forget about the all-in-stock merchandise, 20 to 50% off, and it's all happening at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Phone number there if you want to talk to uh, Eric about what's on sale, 501-246-3655. They're located at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard Suite E here in Little Rock. And uh, some of the things they're going to have special prices on, estate jewelry, Turkish jewelry, Allison Kaufman designs, EC Custom designs, Southern Gates, gold necklaces, gemstones, and much, much more. That's at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. And Eric will join me on Friday to talk about a lot of this stuff. Things to know about. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we were supposed to be going to see at the movies this weekend? This weekend, or is it? It's coming up, or is? Did well, everybody, I, I did everybody see, get away from uh, the yet, Avengers? I have yet to see the Avengers, so don't say a word. I'm not. Dave was busy, almost trying to spoil what's the Game of Thrones. No, I, I wasn't. Want to, I'm teasing you. You know, I'm no, teasing. Was I just wanted. You to, know, there was a big uproar on uh, the internet. All right, enough. Because it's so uh, freaking dark. Well, and and I, I'm not going to give any. Um, um, uh, what's it? What do you call it when you give away spoilers? Secrets? Spoilers. Thank you. I'm not going to give any spoilers on Avengers. I haven't seen it yet. But just so you all know, everybody dies at the end. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just. Well, nothing <laughs> happened no. like Game of Thrones that either. Was the last yeah, right, one. exactly, exactly. They all died. That was the last one actually. Yeah. Every every other one was dying, yeah. right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's going to be going to be interesting. I had a really interesting discussion Friday. Yeah. Because. The Avengers is the end of a saga. Ten years it's been going on. Right. In December, will it be the same way with Star Wars 9? 
Oh, the, Disney will never give because, up on Star Wars. Because 1977 was when Star Wars, right, the original Star now Wars known movie. as The New Beginning, right. came out. The New Hope. Yeah, New Hope, yes, yeah. The New Hope. And the end of it coming up in, in uh, December is the end of this whole saga yeah. of Luke and Leia and Vader and right. all of it. But then they'll have following characters, gonna, yeah. But they're going to go other places in the galaxy. Right. But they're going right. to do other things with the Avengers. Right. And people were like, oh, I got to see it. It's the mm-hmm. end of the saga. But well, I want to see it because I want to see the end of the saga. Yeah, but they always, it's, it's smart marketing. Well, it's the end of the, it's the beginning of the end of the end of the beginning, you know. And they, oh, we ended one, we started another one. I remember I bought for Star Wars, I bought a, a, a VHS set when VHS actually existed. Then I bought a DVD set, and they all and they said on them, right? They said, "Oh, this is collectors." And Don't throw away your VHS. Oh, I'm not throwing away. It's they're cool. worth money, man. Yeah, no, I'm it's telling fun stuff. you. And I never thought it was going to be like buying gold, but it's every one of them said, "Oh, you know, collector's item, never to be released again." And then they, oh, well, this is a different release because it's got three minutes of extra. Yeah, three, right, right. It's, well, so remember, all Lucas came yeah. back. Right, and re-edited. And re-edited and added a bunch of garbage. Oh, my gosh. They, that that uh, computer-generated imagery in the scene that precedes them in the bar when they're walking up yeah, to the bar. Yeah. And they got these dinosaurs walking around, basically. It's, it looks absurd. It's really just an embarrassment. I've and got of course the they original the Star Wars with VHS. They changed the storyline where they made it that Han Solo shot the guy. First. Yeah, f- no, no. Originally, shot him first. Now he was shooting only in, in self defense. Baloney. He was a bit of a scoundrel, and he shot the guy first. And but he knew the guy was a bad guy. That's the original story. So let me let me let me ask you something, Zach. What, what in Star Wars was it that they changed? Where they took? <laughs> oh no, it wasn't Star Wars. It was ET. I Remember where it. they were chasing them, the kids, because they had the they had ET. And they were chasing them, and all the guys had guns. And when they came out in DVD, they took guns out of their hands and put flashlights oh in their my hands. Gosh. Do you oh remember my that? Gosh. Yeah, yeah, they edited it. Oh my! No gosh. guns. Uh, uh-uh, couldn't be chasing them with guns. No, guns. They're government guns. agents. You can't guns. put a gun in a government agent's hands. Guns. It's <laughs> like this gun-free zone. I mean, it's really kind of interesting to watch it now, and you watch things that. Uh, that they do. By the way, can I transition for a moment to, uh, you know, they said gun-free zone and that Got a gun-free zone building pass. Let's remember, gun-free zone simply means that good guys are not allowed to carry guns. It never, it, it, I don't know about never, but it typically doesn't stop bad guys from carrying guns. So just remember what you mean or what is really meant by gun-free zone. All right, our friends from uh, Conduit News will be joining us when we come back. And, uh, we want to talk about the ethics bill because the ones that didn't have teeth passed. The ones that had teeth did not even get out of committee. Some, most of them didn't even get heard. I mean, Mark Johnson's perfect example of a guy that has some teeth in his uh, legislation and uh, had all kinds of problems getting it forward. And now it's an interim study, and usually that's where bills go to die, but not in this case. Uh, they're going to do a little work on this and bring it back. I'm hoping it will be done during the financials uh, time next year and they can get this done. So we'll talk about that. We will talk about there are more tax increases passed than tax cuts. I'm not saying that the governor didn't cut taxes. He did. But 
they raise taxes as well. And then uh, I don't know what uh, what the last thing we can talk about, of course, uh, the Senate and the House and what they try to get on to the uh, uh, the ballot in 2020. We got a lot to talk about with folks from uh, Conduit News. Brendan Joe will be with us when we return. And Robert's going to stick around. I always like having Robert. He's my right hand guy here on the Dave Ellswick show. And it'd be incredible. I'm ready to go. You ready to go? I'm ready. Brenda, are you ready to go? You ready to go, Brenda? Yes, sir. You guys are ready to go? Okay. See, I'm just asking. I'm I'm just asking. We've been talking here and uh, have done uh, some interesting discussions today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, The one discussion we got into that took the longest is the Oh, there's just the height of hypocrisy of the media attacking the president for the uh, the synagogue shooting, saying that he's got blood on his hands for that because of what he said. And, you know, and then and then he said all these great he called the rabbi of the personally, synagogue directly. personally and talked to him. And then he gave that speech in San Diego and and said that uh, anti-Semitism, of course, he condemned it. And uh, went on and, and talked about hate and all of that. And then and then Lemons on CNN on this panel discussion says, you know, you can't believe when Trump says he condemns synagogue shooting. You know, Lemons is the only one who can take a, a, a jug of lemonade and make a bag of lemons out of it. I mean, th- this guy is so negative. He's such a Trump hater. He's seething. He, he, do you ever notice that folks on the left, they can't say sentences anymore when they talk about Trump? It's like, it is unbelievable <laughs> and they think that that it has a, a positive dramatic effect on their television or radio appearances they sound like they got hit in the head with a baseball bat they're, they're, well i'm not sure that we can limit that to just the democrats or the liberals or progressives i mean there's a lot of people in the republican party that just can't utter a positive word about donald trump and they're the same ones calling for unity well, in the party well Kasich. Yeah, Nonwithstanding. Yeah, you know, here's the problem with Kasich is Kasich is no longer a Republican, but yeah. he wants to run on the Republican ticket. Yeah, because so that's the way he right. can win. Exactly. So he still claims oh, to be a Republican. Sounds like Asa. What about Mitt Romney? Oh, Mitt Romney. You know, Mitt Romney's comment was so gratuitous after the Mueller report came out. Listen, you can you can have – there are shades of interpretation of the Mueller report that you can have. But his uh, comment was so gratuitous. His comment was essentially, I may run for president against Donald Trump in the future, so let me stake out my leftist uh, Republican slash Republican ground on this. You're exactly right, Brenda. All right. Now, before I go on, I mentioned something to Robert today. See if you all agree with me. Remember when the media was pointing out, and and you all know that I'm no Hillary lover by any stretch of the imagination. You weren't at the at the party yeah. when she lost. Yeah, I did. I was waiting for all those balloons to fall. That's right. Where the glass ceiling was they shattered. Did, yeah, they didn't. So fall. the balloons could fall through. Yeah, it right. didn't fall. Anyway, and, and they didn't shoot off those fireworks either. No, that, no. I was really looking for. But anyway. Uh, there was a lot of people crying. Uh, exactly. Uh, Sitting on the sidewalk crying. Reporters, by yeah, the way. Here we go. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's the way it happened. I, I think that they waited for Hillary to go to bed, and Bill 
and his bimbos got out there and shot all the fireworks. <laughs> now, now. Yeah, he he tapped a he tapped a keg. But anyway, bottom line is that I'm I'm sitting there and I remember. Do you remember giving and, and you might remember Miss Brenda? They gave her they gave her he double hockey sticks about that she had had some work done on her face. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, I do, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about her wardrobe during the campaign and how someone said Bill must be dressing her and obviously wants her to lose. Yeah, <laughs> but, but here's well, the key. They, they, got, they, they went off on her, on her face. Now, I'm watching today Biden's uh, campaign stump speech in Pittsburgh, and Biden's had a facelift. There's no doubt about oh, yeah. it. Let's let's yeah. see who comes out and says anything that Biden had some work done on his face. This is one place. Well, if, if you feel this way, Brenda, I understand that they'll point that out about a woman, but won't say a doggone thing about a guy doing it. Well, I mean, uh, maybe sometimes you don't say anything about a man because it's usually such a bad job that you're embarrassed <laughs> yeah. for him. Yeah, you ever seen Kenny Rogers? Oh my lord. Yeah, the eyes are the dead giveaway for a man. What, yeah. what is it with all you superficial people? Can uh, we can we not talk about something serious? <laughs> it is serious. Like the opening, I mean, the, the the video, the political announcement of Biden, I mean, that's all I could do is look at his eyes. I mean, I'm sorry to be so superficial, Joe, but I'm thinking, what a bad job his guy did, you know? Yeah. I mean, but you watch Judge Janine, and I'm wanting to call her doctor. I mean, yeah. what a great job. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing to me that uh, he— that he, that he did that, I can't. Yeah, it's, and they've done some. I don't know if he's done hair plugs or what, but they've oh, done something that, to his hair well, too. Well, he did that like thirty years ago. He had hair plugs. I oh, mean, did they, he? Well, it was, yeah, it was public. He did it. He was in the Senate, and he had openly the plugs. You saw it, and well, but forget Hillary and the female male thing. What about the way they trash Trump? Call him orange man and his oh, hair. Oh yeah, and, sure. Same thing. Let's talk about his looks. Yeah. But by the way. Uh, uh, could, could you imagine them using some of the language that they used against Trump's appearance against a woman? Even, we're talking about double standard. I'm not sure there's a double standard. Well, there's certainly a double standard when it comes to Trump. You know, oh, they use language against his appearance that if they said that about a female candidate, they would be thrown off the leftist media. Now, I have to, I have to admit, I have talked about one person's tan more than anybody else, Ned Permy. I know that he has <laughs> he has retired now, but I used to wonder if he had like a rotisserie in his backyard <laughs> that he was Joe tied may not to. know what we're talking about being from Northwest Arkansas. Don't even put me in this. <laughs> well, I do remember the nice thing about Trump and the way he got everyone's attention right off was he wasn't afraid to talk about a woman being ugly. Yeah, remember yeah, uh, yeah. the female running for president? <laughs> Well, I, you know, I was laughing. I, hey, Joe, I didn't know, you know, I remember when Bella Abzug was, was uh, in the, in New the York. Senate. Was she in the Senate or just the House? She was not a senator. Okay. Yeah. I always thought that she was the first transgender male. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. She was, that she was woman, a groundbreaker, actually. She broke a lot of mirrors, too. Oh, my gosh. I'm just saying. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, oh. Let, a, Man. Let, let a mature woman rest, for God's <laughs> sakes. By the way, uh, audience, you know, both Dave and I have faces for radio, so just keep that's that part exactly in mind. That's exactly right. Okay? And uh, that's why I shaved my head, because it looks like I'm nothing but a face There now. you go. Dave's all uh. face. 
Brenda and Joe are with us from Conduit News. I'll get Joe. I promise I'll I'll move away from the this other stuff that we were talking about, but it needed to be said. Uh, it's good to have you guys with us. I read uh, the post that Brenda sent me, and I agree with you uh, on the three things that you wanted to talk about today, and that's why we'll spend time on those three issues. Number one, let's start off with uh, the. Uh, Senate and the House and the governor all to, all wanting to talk about the governor's tax cut. And I'm all about the governor's tax cut. However, if you're going to talk about your tax cut, you got to talk about the taxes that you raised as well. And they, they're not too open to talk about that. Joe, I'll let you start today because I know how you feel about this. You know, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever, I mean, if we could just get back to agreeing on the meaning of words and phrases, it would be so refreshing. We have coined a term about how they are talking about this session, the greatest one in the history of the world, evidently, and the term is legisplaining. So they come back to their districts and legisplain what they did that was so great. Okay. And if you if you look at the numbers and spend 30 seconds thinking about it, you know, it's it's pretty obvious that the Democrats won the day here. I mean, if you want big government, you got it. No, I don't yeah, I don't know if I totally agree with you on that. I I will agree with you though that they are you know more than happy to talk about the big tax cut they did that helped you know, the upper income people, which was right as far as I'm concerned. They'd done middle class. They'd done, uh, you know, people who were in poverty. Uh, but to to not want to talk about any of the other taxes, you know, and, and it's like they talk like the money goes different places. Have you ever noticed that? Well, I mean, there, there's a net result. You know, the government either grows or does not grow. The people either have more of their money that they've earned or they have less of the money they've earned. And moving it from one group to the other, you, you know, you can maneuver in that world a little bit by picking uh, groups to appeal to that I cut your taxes, but the people in the next room, you raise theirs, but you're not talking to them right now. And then you have a different speech for the next room. But the bottom line is, what is the total growth of government? And when you grow government, not only do you spend more of the people's money, but you also amass a bigger war chest that you can buy influence with future voters with. And it'll reach a critical mass where it doesn't matter if you like socialism or not, you're going to get it. Yeah, well, I agree with what you're saying in in practicality. I just, and I get tired of of them downplaying, well, you know, we got to do this and we got to do it because, if we want to have roads, we got to raise more taxes. Is it tomorrow or Wednesday that the Democrats are supposed to meet with the president at the White House to talk about infrastructure? And Pelosi already says on the agenda they want a 25-cent increase in gas taxes. Oh now, the way that they'll try to sell it is, well, we've got to build our infrastructure. Well, that's the way they sold the the. the the highway tax in so the state. Just tax your way. Whatever happened, Brendan Joe, 
with the four thousand uh, dollar cap on uh, when you sell a car, everything below four thousand dollars is not taxed, and raising that to seventy five hundred. Did that pass? Died in the Senate. Died in the Senate. You know, such a basic notion that if you're buying or a car. Um, for uh, less than $7,500, you're not buying a Cadillac, you're not buying a Rolls Royce, and not, and that car, of course, already had taxes paid on it at least once, and we got to tax the heck out of it again. We can't raise that limit from four grand. you are lucky if you can get a car for four grand that runs these days. I'm not joking here, and I'm not an elitist, but it's hard to get a decent running car for less than four grand these days. And to raise that up to a modest $7,500, and, and this is the effect of the Bureau hacks on the legislature, I told you, I have not been in love with the success of this legislature, it's supposed to be the most conservative legislature, and you can't even pass a bill with tax relief so that if somebody's buying a really modest car, they don't have to pay more money in taxes. I mean, it just it, it amazes me. What do you guys say about that? Well, well, first of all, it's not a conservative legislature. It's a the Republican legislature. Yeah. Now, uh, to Dave's point... Uh, at the federal level, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% of all federal highway funding that goes to anything but highways. Yes, I don't I know, know how they word it. Yeah, we've talked so, about that. Instead of the 25% uh, uh, cents a gallon raise, you know, why don't we talk about uh, heck with the trees and the buses? You know, let's build highways with what we have, and then get rid of that 30% uh, offset that they have to use. And that'll that'll get you the best roads in the in the world. Amen. But, no. but no, Go no ahead. special interest to serve them. Okay, but listen to this. In a letter sent today, Pelosi and Schumer outlined some of their priorities ahead of tomorrow's meeting. The speaker and minority leader urged the president to support a quote big and bold their words not mine infrastructure package. Now, here's this is where the Democrats and I re- always argue that goes beyond transportation. They also yeah. want to include clean energy, broadband, oh water, oh schools, housing, and making public works resilient to climate you change. You know, this is risks. Dave's, excuse me, this is uh, Joe's point from just a moment ago. Joe, language has no meaning to the Democrats. Language uh, is make believe, language is whatever you want. Infrastructure? Means everything. Infrastructure means bubble gum, rainbows, and unicorns. What? How about infrastructure meaning infrastructure? Well, you know, words, um, you can say, we, we hear words used in so many different ways now, we can say words have no meaning, but words always will be significant because there's no other way for humans to adequately communicate uh, effectively other than through words. Words created heaven and earth for us Christians. I mean, that's what we believe. That's the power of words. So when we continue to live as though words don't matter, our culture and our our societies will continue to crumble and become less what we recognize as, as what we all four grew up in. And so... You know, to say big and bold and include every uh, progressive policy they can come up with so that Trump and the Republicans have to, uh, you know, turn it down is is not a surprise. But they'll turn around and use words to defend or to blame and to 
to pretend that words don't matter. I mean, words do matter. And if we as a culture don't get back to giving value and, and proof to words and say, stop the craziness, then, you know, we're, we're headed a direction we can't stop. Well, and that happens on the right as well. Yes. I mean, it's a, it's a, what I call manipulation. Uh, in, in my business, we, we try to really keep a good sharp eye on the difference between motivation and manipulation. They're very close cousins, but manipulation will allow you to deceive people without them feeling deceived. I like Walmart. You know, I'm proud that Walmart uh, has been so successful, a worldwide company. And in this last few days, there was an article about the British government, UK, turning down uh, Walmart's request to, to sell uh, 58% of its company to, you know, the the Walmart in Great Britain for it to merge with another company. And so Walmart was only going to own 42% of it. The UK said, no, that would be bad for consumers. It will ultimately result in higher prices and less competition. Walmart turns and says, we are so disappointed because we're doing this for to save the mom and pop stores. Yeah, Walmart, the mom and pop's champions. I mean, you know, do people still believe that? Of course not. But a lot of people will. Yeah, a lot of people will believe it. I don't disagree with you. All right, we got to take our first break. Let's do that when we come back. And I agree with this assessment as well, Brenda. No real attempt at curbing corruption in the legislature. We'll talk about it when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Are you going to love this, uh, Robert, Joe, Brenda? Pelosi wants to spend $2 trillion over 10 years for infrastructure. The president has said $200 billion, and Republicans are having apoplexy right now at that $2 trillion mark. Right. So we'll have to see what goes on there. You know, they seem to spend the same trillion dollars like four different times. Well, I'll tell you what, it'd be more than, it'd be like 40 different times if uh, some of these people that are running for president get in. Oh, my God. They don't. Yeah, if people won't stay engaged and just do the simple math and remember that, hey, we've already spent that on, you know, the military or we've decided to spend that on the fence or whatever we're going to spend it on, uh, Social Security. Uh, you can't spend it multiple times, and, and you can't double it by taxing people. Just the, the math doesn't work. Yeah. All right, no real attempt at curbing corruption. I was really disappointed in this. Uh, there, there was about six bills sitting out there. Three of them were pretty kind of window-dressing bills as far as I was concerned. Three of them had some real teeth in it, and uh, Mark Johnson had one of them that would have stripped uh, retirement monies away from uh, convicted uh, legislators in doing their jobs. They were found to have you know, been doing something illegal and had been found guilty of a felony. And uh, we'll talk about this when we come back because it's really important that everybody understand what happened here and what Mark Johnston is still trying to do. And we'll do that when we come back from the news. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Brenda and Joe, I'll let you pick it up from here. Let's talk about uh, corruption. There were several bills presented during the session, 
and any of them that had teeth moved like a glacial speed and then got put in interim uh, study or whatever. I mean, the, the good one from Mark Johnson ended up in, uh, you know, in, in the study uh, thing, you know, and he, he told us the last day we were there for the session that he believed that he'd be able to bring it back in the session uh, in 2020 during the financial discussions to uh, get this taken care of with uh, with felons serving uh, in the Senate or in the House. Well, I mean, I, I really appreciate Mark's effort, and I am disappointed that, um, you know, they would think that you should continue to have your pension after you've been convicted of um, the breach of trust or, you know, fraud or stealing public funds, but you get to uh, live off a of retirement from that activity. Uh, and that that was not passed easily is very disappointing. But to me, the white elephant in the room that continues to be ignored is something like Medicaid disclosure to disclose who legislators are doing business with. And the Medi this Medicaid arena, the $2 billion additional dollars, which $7 billion altogether that falls out of the sky uh, and lands in the pockets of a lot of people, um, should be, you know, it's fine. I'm, I'm not saying it's dishonest, but let, let the public see where the money goes and how much of it goes to legislators. That is a no-brainer, but we can't get something like that even brought up this session. Well, and who's in charge down there? I mean, isn't it a 75% majority? Republicans, you mean? Yeah, I mean, who does the person have to vote for to get into office that will actually do something like this instead of coming back to the district and telling them why they can't do it. I mean, who, who do you vote for? Well, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette had a good article in Sunday's paper, you know, a two-page uh, investigative report that talked about nursing home owners and, you know, turning over like 22 nursing homes. I don't have the article in front of me. I haven't memorized it. But talking about it appears that the state did not even find out that some of these owners of these new companies are, you know, under investigation, have been convicted of, of felons. And, you know, really, uh, you could say, well, there's no proof that they did it here. I mean, there's something you don't have to have additional proof on. And when asked, official, this is a quote, officials did not push new legislation related to the change of ownership process in the recently conducted legislative session, but Amy Webb suggested openness to addressing the laws moving forward. I mean, these are things that this these people in the legislature knew about. They knew about these problems, the problems with the contracts with these nursing homes, and they want to say, well, we're open to it to changing the law in the future to disclose some of this or to change, stop giving contracts to people who are going to steal government money. Well, and, and the people that want to push that hard, like Brian King or Linda Collins-Smith, well, strangely enough, they get a primary opponent backed by the establishment. Now, how does that work exactly? I mean, this is not a coincidence, guys. Well, I mean, the, the lobbying arm of the nursing home industry, the Arkansas Healthcare Association, which, according to the paper correctly, reports, which primarily represents nursing homes, and that would be David Norsworthy now serving in the position that Michael Morton always had, um, is open to giving the state more authority during the vetting process, Executive Director Rachel Bunch said. I mean, you have a lobbying group who says, well, we're willing to give the state more authority to vet 
future owners for them to find out who they're open to that. I mean, you know, I wasn't open to a lot of things that the legislature did, but they were free to do it. You know, they were free to pass a gas tax I wasn't open to. So I find it very concerning that we don't have legislators who want to find out where the $2 billion or $7 billion goes. All right, so do you think that Mark will be able to get his piece of legislation through, or do you think that, you know, this is a no-starter still? Well, I've come to find and learn that the way it works is uh, if you give us something that is against your principles, then we'll give you this will be the kind of way the transaction will work. Well, you would would hate to think that they're waiting to see how certain pending trials are going to turn out before they decide if they're going to cut off someone's pension. I mean, I would hate to, you know, be so uh, skeptical to think, are they going to wait and do this after Jeremy Vest and, and, and Hutchinson in case he's convicted? I mean, it's ridiculous that that kind of legislation found a roadblock. Well, you know, like we've said so many times on the show, Dave, uh, we, we wish we did not know what we knew. I mean, it's just sad. And, and it's blatant, and it's they are laying on the ground for anybody who chooses to see it, and we're not going to vote for somebody who's going to fix it. I'm okay. happy for the the newspaper to come out with what they did on Sunday, but it looked like it took them months to, uh, you know, research this and put this article together. It would have been really nice had it come out during the session. Well, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, Brenda, in that the legislature, to say that this group for the nursing homes are telling the legislature, legislature, legislature that hey yeah we're going to let you have more say it's for the legislature to stand up and say no we're going to take more say because you haven't done what you should have done and then do it yeah they they did that with the recesses for kids didn't they they (laughs) stood up for the kids to get some more recess (laughs) but i mean yeah the bottom line is they need to stand up to these companies and tell them, if you want to do business in the state of Arkansas, you, you've got to do it legally and you got to do it ethically. Well, and without the Medicaid disclosure bills, it makes people like us think they must not be standing up because they have something to lose. Well, I mean, just think about that. Is what, what would be the result of what you suggested, Dave, is, okay, you companies – you're going to do it the right way or not at all. Uh, well, then they don't get their campaign contributions. They don't get the networking. They don't get the chambers of commerces. And now they can't get rid of people like Brian King. Well, they won't have that. That isn't going to work. When did the chamber change their the way that they do things? It seems to me they're more leftist than they ever were in the past. Well, that's a great point, and I don't know the answer to that. Partnering with, with government, you know, big business learned that partnering with government was a good, you know, lucrative partnership. Small business, it just sits around, works hard, keeps their head down, and has no clue what's going on. They might join a federal organization that promises lobbying. Yeah, and that, I think Brenda has, is on it there. Is is Just like anything else, people tend to go to the path of least resistance, and, and people that want a position being in a chamber of commerce, 
it's a lot easier to go to three big companies and get all your needs taken care of um, and, and get all your adulation and whatnot uh, than it is to go to 500 local small businesses because they don't want anything from government except to be left alone. So, so but I, go ahead, Brenda. I did some research on this a, a couple of years ago, uh, trying to answer what you just asked. I wanted to find out about the chamber, the history of their, how they, when they became so progressive. And uh, what I learned was across the country, the, the uh, state chambers are progressive. And you have local chambers who are who are more conservative, and that the U.S. Chamber was more conservative. This weekend, I read an article where the U.S. Chamber is now going to change their policy. They see the mistake of the day. They have have uh, let people believe that they are Republicans, and they're now going to abandon that, and they're going to see if they can't agree with the Democrats. So they're going to reach out, and I mean, maybe that's the advice you're giving conduit. You know, maybe that's how we should do, but um, I want you to read this. Look this article up, and let's watch the U.S. Chamber and see if their activity, and I'm wondering, does that mean they were really establishment Republicans, and now they're moving away from Trump because they're thinking, hey, we don't like what's going on in D.C. now. We're going to go side with the Democrats. It's a very interesting article. Read it. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll take a look at that. Send me a, a link to that, would you, Brenda? I will. Well, there's some more background on that. Uh, we, we had worked for the past six or eight years on how what, what is available for small businesses that want nothing from the government but would like to be less exploited by the government or extorted, I would call it. And you know, we formed Conduit for Commerce for that exact purpose. But what we found was those same people who felt the way we did were hardworking, nose to the grindstone people that cared about their employees and were a little bit fearful of retribution if they spoke up. So, you know, it's a hard thing to do to get people active and spending time and money preserving their freedom when they raise their heads, then all of a sudden they get a call from whomever that be at the governor's office, and they, we, we'd appreciate it if you wouldn't do this because we're thinking about some legislation that might affect you. And, I mean, we have seen that happen. Okay, with that in mind, let me bring Robert back in. Robert, did this really start happening, you know, with the, uh, you know, these groups uh, when we move more towards corporatism than capitalism? I think that's one aspect, and I think we see the companion piece with the Municipal League, right? The Municipal League is now paid, has been always paid by government. Government tax dollars are paid to the Municipal League to represent bureaucrats, bureau hacks. And so we have private dollars going to corporatists who want to maintain the status quo, and as Brenda and Joe point out, that's big large businesses that are happy to have regulation that keeps small business from competing. Big business is far more friendly to government regulation than small businesses because big business can afford it as essentially a tax that keeps out small business from competing. And guess what? Small business is where innovation develops. Uh, big businesses often, not always, not always, where innovation goes to die. Uh, Amazon has done a good job at at, at innovating in many instances. I don't know how they are for on a day-to-day basis, but uh, that's an example of big business with, with innovation. Um, but 
Then you have government bureau hacks taking tax dollars and paying it to a private organization to go to the legislature and tell legislators, if you don't do what we want you to do, we're going to make a whole bunch of noise. We're effectively going to campaign against you. You know, they don't use those words because they're not allowed to do that. But, but we're effectively going to campaign against you if you don't bow to the swamp, essentially, right? To the established bureau hacks that are largely holdover leftists, by the way, as it right. happens to be. Uh, and that's why a bunch of laws weren't passed, right? Stand your ground, in part, wasn't passed because of bureau hacks as well as elected officials who want to keep uh, – and by uh, elected officials, I mean uh, like um, elected sheriffs, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Some of them are good conservatives. But some elected sheriffs want to keep their thumb – on the populace by saying, no, 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 we, we protect you. Don't worry. We'll protect you. Really? You're getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, coming to my house? No, you ain't. No, you ain't. That's why I protect myself. Right. And so Brenda and Joe are right to be uh, skeptical of uh, big business trying to keep the little guy out. And we need to add to that to be highly skeptical of bureau hacks allegedly looking out for the interests of the population when obviously they're not. They're looking out for their own self-interest to perpetuate government-funded, essentially, uh, workfare where these bureau hacks go to work, collect paychecks just for going to work to collect paychecks. You know, Dave, what is the, what is the, uh, the knock uh, on the Republican Party from, from the Democrats or independents? What – well, what's the biggest negative thing they say about the party? No, they're in the pocket of big business. Okay. Now, as the Republicans actually produce that result, does that work for the brand, the brand or against the brand? No, I, I agree. It works against the brand. So who do we have to vote for, and how many Republicans do we need to get down there to get what the principles say, not what the Democrats say about us? But what the principles say, who do we vote for to get that? You know, Joe, you're right on the money. And we were talking before you guys came on the show uh, about how um, John Cooper, Joe Cooper, John Cooper, John Cooper Cooper voted against Stand Your Ground. And Dan Sullivan is going to run against uh, John Cooper in the primary for the for the Senate seat for next term. And that's an example where where what you and Brenda are saying all along is is right on the money. And that would be a great change. Right. Because we've got to move from someone who's a Republican to someone who's a conservative. And uh, let's let's just watch and see who Asa goes and campaigns for. You're going to get to watch this race. And, you know, in full living color of what Joe and I are talking about will happen. Let me give you three examples. If we could stop government-funded lobbying, and just what I hear you saying, Robert. Robert had it right. Yeah, Jonathan Barnett's highway bill in 2013, Dave Wallace's special election bill last year, last uh, session and this session, uh, Jim Dodson's school choice bill the last two sessions, all three of those were killed by government-funded lobbyists. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You can. It is higher ed, municipal counties, um, lower education. Aren't these all majority Republican committees and majority Republican House and Senate? Yes, they were. Exactly. All right. I mean, there you go. Yep. Got to get a break. Let's take it. Final break of the hour. We'll be back. We'll finish up our discussion when we return on the Dave Ellswick show. Right on the money. All right. Let's finish it up for today. Got Brenda Joe from Conduit News, conduitnews.com. Read their articles, check in every day and see what they're uh, digging up and and looking at. And then uh, in our final segment here, we just got 
a few minutes remaining. Uh, let's talk about, uh, see, Brenda, I think we talked, we talked about uh, discussing, boom, uh, vote no. You said that you think that people should vote no for all uh, all the uh, constitutional amendments put on the ballot by the House and the Senate in November 2020. I do. <laughs> you know, there's none. They're up to no good, believe me. <laughs> Vote no. Yes, no tax increase. Um, and, and it's not, you know, it's going to be couched like, oh, it's not a tax increase. It's just, you know, just continue business as usual. And then, um, you know, no to making it harder for the public to get on the ballot. And no for uh, establishing term limits. <laughs> Yep, there's the old switcheroony again. Right. I don't know if there's a citizens' uh, initiative that's going to be able to get on the ballot, but let's hope so. Let, let's talk about that because I, you know, I had Pilch on, and I've had Vaught on, and I've had a lot of people on talking about these changes to putting things on, in the Constitution. I believe it. You know, look, I, I'm all about the people being able to do some things, but I believe that. Uh, it's it's too easy. I mean, 15 out of 75 counties, I don't believe it should be 45, but I sure do think 30, 32 might be a right number that you have to go to to get a, a feel for that. I mean, I do believe that there's some changes that need to be made. Do you guys agree with that, or do you think it should just be left alone? Well, if you just look back at the history of ballot initiatives and versus the three per uh, session that the legislature can go on, uh, which they did not seem to want to trim those back from the sacred constitution. So they didn't want to trim their power to put three changes per election on, but they did want the citizens, uh, you know, restricted. Now the argument is that you know special interests come in here and have the money to do this. Well, they're going to make sure that you've got to have a, a bunch of money to do it with these changes, and that's all they're going to get because they don't want the average citizen to work their butt off, get signatures, and get the actual legislation from the people passed. That, that, that's the worst thing that could happen to them. Think about David Couch. You know, David Couch seems to be the focus, but I think David has proven himself good enough at this approach that he's bringing in the, the support of the money people. It's not the piddling little recreational marijuana people. You know, notice they lost to David. And, and it will take big money, but big money is not the problem for the kind of initiatives that David Couch works on. Well, yeah, so they're going to make it worse like anything else they do. They make it worse, not better, and they consolidate power at the Capitol, not with the people. Uh, it's just pretty pretty clear if anyone wants to look at it. All right, well, I'll agree with you that I think they should have done more uh, on the House and Senate and raised the, the vote to 75% to be able to get something to be put on the ballot, not just 60%. But, uh, you know, Couch... He raised. He told me two years ago that he had the people with the deep pockets to get recreational marijuana on the ballot. That doesn't make me feel good. Well, trust me, he can make the forty-five county uh, limit if he needs to. Well, so it, yeah, if, requirement. If you can get the money to get a citizens' initiative in, in air quotes. Uh, on the ballot, well, then what? What does the average citizen do to get an initiative? They're done. And you notice that 
they did play around the edges with getting a higher vote threshold for amendments to come out of the legislature, but they didn't restrict how many could come out, did they? Yeah. I No, I, dis, I don't disagree with that. I think that they have to be restricted as well. All right, we're out of time. That's what the music means. Guys, I'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks for making time for me today. God bless. Great. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Yeah, good discussion there. Indeed. All right, it's so the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you very much, Robert, for My coming pleasure. in. Robert God bless. from, of course, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. And he'll be back sometime this week because he's going to be much freer now because school is out, as Alice Cooper liked to say. We'll take a break. Be back with you again tomorrow. Two o'clock right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.